We have liftoff. Welcome, everybody, to the fourth episode of our phenomenal Doctrine of Signatures panel on astro herbalism. Extremely excited about it. I got pumped whenever I started putting together a playlist of the episodes so far, the story so far. We already have an incredible amount of a wealth of information and education in this, but we have a a good way to go. So this is our fourth. We're going to do all 12 signs of the Zodiac and how the doctrine of signatures informs us about their properties and virtues in terms of the herbs and plants that we are so blessed to share a rum with. And of course, we've got the one and only Kyle Denton from Tibica New Herbs rocking a very cozy looking uh, a backdrop there looking great in a cozy sweater. Awesome. Are you back from Italy, buddy? Yeah, back home. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us on chance. This is awesome. It's great to be back. I just, uh, I just want to say like in the airwaves that you gave us here, like the, this, this realm is so strange and beautiful. And when we start to find the, like really put our, our mind to looking at, the keys and the, and the patterns and pictures, it's just, be, it's like you walk into a, a, a cave filled with gems and then there's a room. And then in that cave, and then in that room, there's another cave filled with gems. It's just like the, the fractals keep going and going. And it's done so with my relationships, with my relationships with all of you and all of the extracurricular fun that we do outside of these shows. And so I just wanted to say that, uh, for the universe to hear too. So thank you so much, Chance, for giving us this uh, platform to share all this stuff, these things that we're really passionate about. And it's really, really fun to just keep hanging out with. And and then this awesome chat, it's like the best, this is the best chat on the internet too. It's so great. Right? Legends. You guys are amazing. <laughs> uh, it's going to be just a gratuity, endless mere recursion loop of infinite appreciation because <laughs> I just feel like the luckiest oh. podcaster ever that I get to host these legends. Speaking of, we have Michelle, Michelle's healing home, brand new podcast, still crushing. Got to say, you know, publicly, I apologize for streaming in your time slot yesterday. It was the only way I could get <laughs> myself oh. a, a show out for the week with the, you know, some stuff that I had going on over the weekend, but if anybody didn't catch that, I know that because of the time slot, uh, not the views are the most important thing in the world, but there are fewer views on the episode with Emily Ridd out from last night than generally would happen for a live show. Go back and check it out. And, you know, the first hour, we really do a great job introducing the virtues of the astro yoga system. And I mean, it's, is it any different than what we're doing here? Astro herbalism, astro yoga, we're just applying the principles of the resonant pattern of nature to all kinds of things in our inner and outer world and allowing that to show shed light and wisdom upon our perceptions. So go check that out. Really great second hour too, where we get into the more deep woo about the possible origins and of our incredible divinatory and self-knowledge systems. But Michelle, I've been a little bit long and holding the mic here. How are you doing? It's good to see you. I'm great, man. And no apology necessary at all. That This is the world we live in, man. I mean, there is so much going on all the time and you got to do what you got to do, right? So, yeah. We are blessed with an abundance of good gravy to yeah. gorge ourselves on in, in this community. It's kind of crazy watching over the last two, three years how 
the organic growth has happened. Like first, a bunch of us were sort of magnetized to each other. And now a bunch of people are just launching <laughs> amazing projects and already have a place for it to land. I love it. So uh, what's new with the, uh, we have a full moon and Leo coming up. What's hitting our inboxes in terms of your full moon offerings that people can get by signing up to your newsletter at michellesealinghome.com. Yeah, thank you. Oh, uh, well, uh, that'll be on the 5th. So I'm always on the borderline of like, should I should I spill the beans before the newsletter comes out or should I let it be a surprise? And I might let it be a surprise. Uh, but in the theme of Leo, we'll be having some nice warm energies coming to everybody. I'll just say that. Um, so yeah, that'll be on the 5th when that comes out. Uh, and you can sign up for that. And that comes out every month on the uh, full moon. And I just wanted to say I second what Kyle said about everything beforehand. I feel the same way. And uh, it's really an exciting time. And it, it there's I feel the love. And it's really cool. And it's really cool to share space with you guys. And Mario and I all day have been talking about how excited we are to come and hang out with you all. So we're glad to be here. So thanks again to all of you for being here and chance for hosting us. The easy job. Mario, what's up with you, man? I saw that you've put out some particularly exciting content recently. Would you like to share what is going on at symbolic studies? Yeah, sure. So I put out uh, the first episode of a new series I'm calling true North and it's really just me leaning into my love of all things related to Northern symbolism, polar symbolism, the polar tradition, the North Star, some major and minor. And I feel like I always discuss it on other people's shows, but uh, it's, it was kind of rare that I would discuss it just deliberately and intentionally on my channel. So it's kind of just time for me to do that. So I have that. If you guys haven't seen the first episode, uh, check that out. I'm going to be interviewing Elsie uh, King in a couple of weeks, um, getting into some of these rabbit holes. And I've got uh, a few other streams and episodes in the works. So, yeah, exciting stuff. But I'm stoked to be here. Aquarius is a really interesting sign for a lot of different reasons. I think it's kind of elusive for a lot of people. Michelle and I were talking about that. So hopefully we can shed some light on what it's all about. But, yeah, that's what I got going on. Awesome, dude. And I knew you'd be extra intrigued for Aquarius with how that particularly pertains to Northern symbolism. And I mean, I've seen you do a presentation on it <laughs> and I didn't yeah, bother right. asking you how you've been, how you're doing. Cause you Mario solid, I assume, but you know, how, how are I'm you? Solid. I do care. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I kind of uh, was laying low for a couple of months with creating content and stuff. So it was really good just to, push that out and get that out there and everything. So uh, yeah, all is well over here, man. No complaints. Cool guys. So um, any other things we might want to take care of talking about before we hop into some slides? I mean, yeah, I just, uh, can I be the resident Aquarius of our group? I, it's my birthday next Wednesday. And for my birthday, uh, Chance is going to interview some legends um, on this program so i'm really excited to spend my birthday hanging out listening to chance talk to uh to uh, uh mike winner and the oh yeah next week's vibrant's gonna be liddy yeah so um yeah so it'll I'll be, be uh, bear lando mike winner and dr bear lando mike winner and matt presti who we just had on interverse we're gonna be getting into deep walter russell physics Ooh, cool and yeah, happy birthday, Kyle. I was actually just going to click my mic and uh, say happy birthday before uh, we Thanks. went to the slide. So yeah, I remember that little tidbit in our chats. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to play. We, we did actually got a voicemail from James Frosch of family fun guy. Oh, wait, before you do chance. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I was listening to that. That's going to line up really well when we get to the slide on, um, when we get to the slide on lion's mane. You want me to hang it, hang on to it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for pre-screening the voicemail. I wondered, it was like, I was literally like, is this a bad time to just drop this five minute voicemail on us? But we'll save it for there. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. Love it, dude. Uh, I want to encourage everybody who missed uh, Michelle's interview with James to go over and get it if you didn't, because it was awesome. Hard hitting every time. Razor sharp. I love that guy. Oh yeah, my God. Yes. Good. I was so glad you were there, Slick. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, he brought it for sure. yeah. yeah. He had my mind, I mean, just spinning mm-hmm. the whole time. And I'm just like, wowie zowie, man. Yeah. And then I saw the slide for Lion's Mane come up that Kyle mm-hmm. sent us. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. This is all with the weave. So yeah, he is yep. sharp as a tack. Very cool. Yeah. Everybody bring your notebooks and get ready to screenshot because there's a there's so much on offer. Mm. Thank you for the reminder. Were you double fist in streams, Gabriel? Guilty. <laughs> totally guilty. <laughs> He's actually able to listen to two at the same time. <laughs> I just brought hot chocolate and now all the cats double, are parading into the room. And <laughs> she's trying to get them out. Uh, yeah, I was doing double shake weights. <laughs> okay, so... The qualities of Aquarius. I like what you said, Mario. Aquarius is a bit slippery in terms of, Mm. I mean, it's sort of, I wouldn't say deceptive, but by the nature of the illustration, it implies one thing, but elementally it's another. So I would love everybody to get a shot at what Aquarius means in your particular Codex Universalis. (laughs) But Mario, I would love to start with you there, buddy. Right on. Yeah, you know, my personal opinion, I'm sure I've said this here before, but I think the tarot cards that correspond with the signs, uh, a particular sign and has uh, a tradition of corresponding with that sign is essentially a direct representation of that sign. So when you look at the star card, you are looking at a direct ex- expression of Aquarius and everything it represents. And so for me, you know, uh, I can't think about the the North Star and I can't think about not think about uh, Polaris, you know, and think that we're referring to the star of stars here, um, the star that the heavens revolve around. And there's a strong correspondence to the star and a lot of goddesses, in particular, uh, the Virgin Mary is one that's going to be coming up in this presentation. Uh, because we will be talking about uh, Rosemary, which I think is a fascinating correspondence with Aquarius. But, you know, the urn of Aquarius, the urns of Aquarius are said to hold many things, including, you know, water, frequency, vibration, consciousness, electricity, which is fascinating. I was just going over some of my videos and uh, I was reminded that electricity at one point was considered a liquid of sorts before I, apparently it was really figured out which I think is really intriguing. And so um, these urns, you know, uh, contain everything, essentially. It's kind of like the womb of the universe or the urn of the universe. And then I think, too, about the urn and Saturn and how Aquarius, like the traditional uh, correspondence is that there's a uh, Saturnian rulership there, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's really interesting, too. Um, But, you know, there is a very tranquil quality here, obviously feminine, 
very transcendental. Uh, the other thing, too, that I just want to mention is that with Polaris or the North Star, me seeing that correspondence and it's very obvious in certain cards because the star will be seven pointed. You know, um, I think it's brilliant that the star card is followed by the moon card, which is followed by the sun card. And so we're talking about this Trinity system of Polaris, you know, the moon and the sun. So polar, lunar, solar energies. So I think that's really interesting that they're kind of all right there together in the major arcana. Um, some of the things right off the top of my head, and I think that the uh, the color palette on the Crowley version of the card, it being purple, I think makes a lot of sense, you know, kind of being that higher, um, you know, that higher order of color, I guess. Another so interesting thing to me about the correlation between Polestar and Aquarius that I hadn't until recently put together is how Aquarius was symbolic of Enki, the storm god, sky god of ancient Sumeria, Mesopotamian culture, the one who brings the flood, thus also making him equivalent to Jehovah. So it's maybe, I, I know that these particular tarot representations are showing a feminine entity, but I look at the sky father as the whole sky in a way. And Polaris is like the throne of that being or his center or his core. <laughs> and with Aquarius being re representative of the nervous system, circulatory system, all things sort of peripheral and, uh, you know, big picture networking, internal networking, external network. It does make a lot of sense to put the sky father who could be allegorized more accurately as the whole sky itself, as this particular part of the Zodiac that deals with, you know, seeing the how all the parts in the whole fit together in a system or a web. Yeah, no, that's right. And I'm glad you brought up the flood. Uh, there's a lot of Aquarian overlap with flood symbolism and mythology and everything else. And also, too, this portion of the night sky is considered like the celestial ocean. So even if you just follow the ecliptic, um, you know, the sign before Aquarius is Capricorn, the sea earth sign, but there's this watery correspondence. And then you have Aquarius, which is an air sign, but it's the water bearer, followed by Pisces, which is literally the fish and an actual, um, you know, water sign. So this is uh, the celestial ocean that you're dealing with. And then other constellations around it, you know, there's fish and, and um sea monsters and things like that so yeah so waters above and waters below it's like the waters are coming from aquarius the water bearer yeah who else wants to take a shot at aquarius you know as they see it i'll throw a few ingredients on the table uh you know uh those jugs big aquarius stew yeah man it's a stew in that big jug so the old school rider weight Styly, she's got jugs, which uh, you know they've got handles, kind of like the old-fashioned looking style. Uh, but the newer one, the Thoth Crowley deck, those are very particular styled cups. They're not jugs per se; they're more open-topped, right? And they don't have handles. She holds them by the by their brim. Um, and that the shape of that very distinctly stands out to me across the zodiac on the other side, uh, Leo. 
So right now, the full moon is filling up in the station of Leo as we are down on the opposite in Aquarius. And in Leo, there are three minor decans that are pretty significant. Uh, Hydra, Crater, and Corvus. And the Crater constellation is a cup, a chalice, a sacred vessel, and it has a very uh, similar shape, or it's depicted with the same shape as the cups that this, uh, this goddess on the Thoth deck is using. So she has one up high and one down low. She's indicating that axial alignment from Aquarius up to Leo uh, in my eyes. So I thought I would throw that on the table. I'm always pointing out that 180 propinquity principle. You know, uh, no, and that in, that, in that 180 line, you're also crossing over Pegasus, which has that square representing a field. And that is also kind of like a, a container in a way. Like this is your property. This is also where you raise the crops. Yes. yes. Uh, the three uh, minor deacons of Aquarius uh, are often laid out as Cygnus, the swan, Pegasus, and then a minor deacon named Pisces. It's a smaller fish constellation but it's right on the bridge where we're rolling into pisces next so there's all those ingredients uh related to leo and the thought deck there's a golden woman in the strength card or the lust card right which corresponds with leo and crowley openly acknowledged that it's the same woman you're seeing a golden version of her in the lust card and then you're seeing a purple version of her in the star Whoa. card Wow, so, that is and so being cool. opposite of each other, right? It just makes perfect sense that it would line up that way. Yes, and she's barefoot, just like the one in the Leo card. Yeah. That's really significant to me. Nice. And we're gonna be we're going from ankles to feet, right, guys? I got um I got a couple thoughts here. So <clears throat> we're talking about the periphery, peripheral nervous system, uh peripheral electric aspects of the body. Uh, the periphery of the sky clock, and then trying to bring uh, a slippery sign into focus is in the same way like trying to bring uh, an apparition into focus by looking out of the corner of your eye or the periphery when you see the spirit moving in the periphery, and then you turn to glance and you try to put your focus and your intent into it and it's gone. And you try to bring that back by kind of like uh, looking at the corner of your eye again. And maybe I, I just uh, bring that up as a, as a trick to maybe uh, um, thinking about our slideshow here today and having that kind of corner of your eye um, way of thinking about some of the, the aspects of this odd sign. Right. And uh, I, so my whole life, I always, uh, my ego was really in, to the as as born with the sun and Aquarius, and as I learned more about um, sidereal and everything like that, and um, became more associated with my Capricorn sign. But but still, I have this uh, this strong public side of me that feels like uh, that you know that tried to associate myself with the uh, the oddball on the periphery that it was difficult to understand and even hard for myself to understand. There was a, another thing that I wanted to bring up too about the the um, Rider Weight card, and that is the connection with Temperance, uh, which we talked about two months ago. And Temperance has the chalices, and as, if you look at the chalices, it looks like you know one. Uh, Mario posed the question: Is it is it uh, moving down or is it moving up? And if you look at the the symbology within the chalice uh, that that fluid, it is the sign of the Aquarius. It is that uh, glyph of the of the watery M. And sure enough, if you look at the analemma, I don't know if you can see here, but 
is, you know, picture the analemma. And at the very bottom of the analemma there, you would have Capricorn. And on each side, uh, parallel, you would have Sagittarius looking across at, um, at Aquarius. So there's a lot of connection between that card and this card. We have the, the one foot in the water, the one foot on the land. Um, and then also uh, the connection between the Hercules constellation. And, of course, the, um, the constellation of Aquarius is a, a, a oftentimes portrayed as a kneeling person or John the Baptist getting his head chopped off or whatever. Um, but there's also a connection with Hercules in the labor of clearing out the stables, using diverting the rivers and using nature's power and innovation, the innovation of nature's power and not necessarily like his own physical strength. And uh, so this is a sign of the innovation of heavens, of um, uh of that that aspect too and um i guess if there was one other thing i was thinking of but that was it but uh and also the urn the, the other thing that comes to my mind when i think of urn is the is the word like urine um so that i don't know uh other than the salinity in the bloodstream uh where we can go with that i don't really have strong thoughts on that but it just came up so that's yeah weird. that urn and Uranus. Very cool. Uranus. <laughs> I mean, Uranus, Uranus, that word comes from the Greek word for sky. So we are talking about a sky father idea there. Uh, I also wanted to point out how astute what you explained was regarding the defocalization of one's gaze as a truly it's a shamanic technique for accessing one's alternate modes of perception. Another way of saying knowing things that you know, but you don't necessarily know how you know or why you know it. And so taking the direct route to the knowing doesn't necessarily work. Just sort of let it just emerge (laughs) organically out of the potential of an uncollapsed potential, you know, potentiality in the sense of an unfocused gaze. I find that really, really interesting. And I, you know, that's what knowing really is. is like tapping into intuition does require that, like take letting go of the single pointedness and letting something else offer a solution rather than sort of your pattern recognition, scanning, focusing, att- yang type of attention. Uh, Aquarius, I, I thought it would be fun to, co- I had this idea for the art for the show tonight regarding Aquarius. Usually you would see a jar of water pouring water on a plant or you know a watering can so i'd you know we're talking about aquarian plants so i had the ai generator come up with a plant pouring water into a jar that's <laughs> an awesome. aquarian plant i find that really <laughs> cool. it's like a mint or something yeah well it's not a real photograph though thank you them, AI. them some nice jugs <laughs> exactly we're talking about jokes <laughs> exactly well and that's the other oh. thing that i just wanted to point out is the um the correspondence with these jugs and literally uh, them being symbolic of breasts and here her breasts are exposed you know she has nothing to hide in that regard and there's certain decks where literally uh the breasts of this woman um their uh milk is coming out from them you know, and it's creating the stars of the heavens, the Milky Way galaxy, right? Which I always think is interesting. Um, 
So yeah, so there's that going on there. And uh, I love what Kyle said too regarding the glyph of Aquarius and it being like an M or a W for, you know, water or whatever. I think that's fascinating because a lot of old, you know, uh, works of art that show water, it just looks like those squiggly lines. Or a like, lightning uh, bolt. You know, or a lightning bolt. Yeah, exactly. That makes perfect sense too, for sure. Look at, look at the lake too in the Rider Waite. That's the, that's the same chalice as the top. It's the same shape. You know, another possibility would be Cassiopeia, which across, if you, you know, if, if you were this Aquarius constellation looking at the North star, looking in that direction, you would see Cassiopeia and it has an M outline like the Aquarius glyph. I don't know if that possibly has anything to do with it, but just something I noticed, uh, but I'll take us away into. Oh, I had one. I just oh, had a yes. thought. Get in there, Michelle. It's okay. Um, yeah. So I love this card a lot. And uh, one of the things that co- does come to mind when I think about this card is the waters of life and the breath of life, because she's like the creator. I see her pouring and I feel like she, this is like the ultimate creation that she is you know, forming here because she's forming these multiple rivers and then, you know, she's continuing to fill the pond. And that's kind of what comes to me, like the root of creation or the nourishment of life sort of stuff. That's all I wanted to say. We can. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, last thing I'll just uh, mention the esoteric name for the car. The title um, is uh, the daughter of the firmament, which I think is interesting because I'm pretty sure Gabe, uh, maybe you have it off the top of your head that, or Kyle or any of you guys, uh, the Hebrew correspondence for this card um, means window. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. And the firmament just reminds me of a big old dome. Though. <laughs> yeah. And it's even got the word wind in it. The wind. Uh-huh. Yes, totally. Yeah. The, the dome full of wind. Interesting. I uh, what letter is this on the thought deck? It looks like Ched, but a lot of Hebrew letters look the same as each other. Right. I uh, I believe is it Tzidi. Well, there, there's no. actually this is this is one of the uh, switches that Crowley talked about. It's either He or Tzidi, and that uh, the response no, t- t- is the uh, emperor t- card. Tzad or Tzidi is uh, pretty different looking. Yeah, uh, Tzidi is on the Emperor card. Right. Let me see. I got the book right here. It could be a Tav. It could be a Tav. Tav and Chet look almost the same. It's tricky. Um, um, But if it's, you know, the CH or the Chet, that's, I believe, pertaining to life which is also what eve means uh very interesting correlation there that eve is the one symbolically that gave us sin but also that word means life in hebrew and the word het means the same thing both sin and life so it's uh it's hey and you're right It, it means window numerical value of five that's a hay. Okay. <laughs> if you guys hey. look up, you guys look up the hay, the head, uh, and the tav. It's like, how did anybody read this language? They're almost, <laughs> yeah. They look almost exactly the same. It's so crazy. Totally. Probably some esoteric reason for that. 
so, okay, we'll take it into Rosemary now. I think that sounds good. Rosemaryanus. Rosemarinus officinalis. Officinalis. Yep, that's uh, correct. Or polar plant, diaphoretic, astringent, dew of the sea, rose of the sea, sacred to the Virgin Mary. Stimulates mind and enhances memory, offered at weddings and hand fastings. You know, the other thing we didn't point out is uh, the WM switch of wind and mind and mater and water, right? So, like, back to the Aquarian mother water figure here. Maybe the last thing that we could say about it is how the the nervous system or circulatory system of the cosmos is air, air and water. You know, it's either those things are always actually mixed. They're never really separate when you think about it. There's never perfectly dry air and there's never water that doesn't have air bubbles in it. So it's almost like evidence that if we know that mind is symbolized by air. Then water is a carrier of mind or memory, you know, because there's literally air in the water or water in the air. It's on the wind. Yeah, great point. Okay, now we'll look at Rosemary. <laughs> Take it away, buddy. <laughs> yes, Rosemary. Oh, I mean, most people love Rosemary. And I actually have some right here, too, because this plant is so hardy that I harvested this rosemary that you're seeing on the screen in the fall when I was cutting back our garden and it is still going strong and it's it's got roots going in the water. It smells amazing. Uh, it's just one of those plants that it just always never fails to fascinate me and I always find something intriguing about it. And um, yeah, I mean... I love this, the compass or polar plant. You know, I, I wonder about this connection maybe being um, or is it connected to maritime law in some way? Uh, you know, because it is this uh, plant, dew of the sea, rose of the sea. It looks like it could grow underwater to me. That's always one of the things I think about it. When you see a rosemary bush that's just flourishing, um, there's a couple things that go along with that. There's one legend that says that where the rosemary flourishes, the woman rules the home. And so if you're seeing a huge rosemary plant that's just thriving, it could be an indication that the woman that lives there is, she is like in her role. She is just doing her thing and she has a strong presence there. And I, I just find that to be just so comforting. And there's something really cool about that. And then the whole connection with Virgin Mary. And I feel like all of us are going to be able to go off on Rosemary. So I feel like anyone who wants to, you know, come in and interject, just, you know, just go for it. Um, but one of the cool things, too, about this plant is that it is really great for the lungs. And so we're talking about air and it can be used as a lung tonic and it can really just vivify and, and kind of awaken you, um, makes your senses more alert. It's known as an herb for memory. 
A lot of times that's what it's used for. Um, and I really love it in the uh, sense that it can be used in weddings and hand fastings. And there's a, um, I actually gave, we brought um, Jim and Rachel to rosemary plants uh, to their ceremony because it's also said that if a bride and groom plant rosemary together, it's an opportunity for them to watch the rosemary grow and that it, it kind of is a symbolizing their love for each other growing and the, the fortune of their home to become strong and and you know it's just something they can watch go and flourish together and hopefully that you know that uh their relationship follows suit right um so yeah it's just it's so lovely and uh lots of people love to use it as a culinary herb and i sure do too so there's my spiel (laughs) it's even got the word mary in it perfect for weddings yes (laughs) totally (laughs) Uh, and the part about a, a a woman putting it out is like staking a claim on the territory. That's really fascinating because um, the row uh, is uh, in, I believe it's Greek. I think that's the Greek row is in the shape of a P, which is the shape of a flag that you put into uh, into a like the hole when you're golfing and they put the little triangular flag. That's a row. So whenever you see row, it's actually a, a flag, which, of course, Mario, Mario, polar. Indeed. Yeah. And then like uh, that's kind of like a staking your claim to the whole thing. You know, uh, that's really interesting. I love that. Um, what you just said actually does have a very Aquarian bent to it because we're talking about the air and we're talking about the sky father or Oranos, right? And the Egyptian hieroglyph representing just the idea of God or the netter or nature was a flag, actually. So the flag has a deep symbolic significance representing that animating force and spirit of that is, you know, worshipped as the sky father. The, so the rosemary also, these the shape of the leaves is an interesting part of this plant. And I think a lot of the uh, plants that have these kind of shapes of leaves have a lot of Aquarian symbolism, as well as cactuses and pines and all of the evergreens and things like that, in that it harvests the nutrients that it needs to survive from the mist of the sea. So if you take a rosemary plant inside, um, like I do in the winter, and you try to water it, it will die because it doesn't like to have its feet wet. It likes to bring, it likes to be alive from the <laughs> heavenly waters, if you will, the, the mist. Um, and so that's, that's Aquarius like, AF. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, all weird and outside of all the other plants are like, yeah, please water my roots. And it's like, nah. Right. And thank you, Rosemary, for being such a great example of the color pattern of the Aquarius, um, or as we kind of think about um, Aquarius, if we can visualize these patterns over the body and the the more like uh, light, uh, like coming to light magenta and, uh, you know, magenta with some angel added to it, right? Um, Rosemary is a great stimulant of the nervous system as well. And so as I was, I was making a little, uh, 
Instagram thingy this this morning, and I was doing, I was finding a picture of Rosemary, and I've just been like on a uh, led by synchronicity so much this last few weeks, and and as I'm like playing with Rosemary, I'm thinking about the nervous system aspects of it and how it helps calm down a, an excited peripheral nervous system through stimulation, which is kind of oxymoronic, but it it because it stimulates the circulation throughout the periphery, it allows that nutrition to get to uh, a wasted and withered um, supply of nerves and a wasted and withered supply of nerves starts spasming and getting all jumpy. And um, as I was doing this, uh, a man came into the shop and my helper came back and said, Hey Kyle, can you help this guy? And he was, fidgeting all over the place and he was like i need a plant for do it what do you got for this and what do you have for that will help like heal wounds that are uh that aren't healing and i was like where are they they're on his hands they're on his feet they're on his shins they're at the far places away from his body so i was like this is really strange and you know i think there's a lot of things here that can really help you but um let's just go with rosemary for now because i because <laughs> this is what i was just thinking about and then you walk in and as a great um as a case study for this so we'll see um but but anyway that's uh, that really comes to mind as a a plant for maybe that type of behavior and also uh shakespeare mentioned rosemary for the memory. And one of the reasons why is because it has this way of stimulating the circulation to move from the ankles or the bottom part of the feet up. It doesn't like to have its feet wet. It likes to be warm above. Um, and so this would be contraindicated for somebody who's got a lot of energy up here and they're holding a lot of tension up here because it actually might exacerbate that. But for somebody who needs a little bit more mental stimulation, mental focus without the, you know, a lot of times when people think of stimulating herbs, we, we go straight to like coffee and stuff like that. But we're, I'm talking about like stimulation through um, excitation and nourishment of the of the blood supply of the energetic uh, body um, and allowing that to move outwards where there was once tension and finding that inhibiting inhibiting tension and allowing it to move outwards like you unkinked a hose, you know, and now all of a sudden the water can come out of the hose again. Oh, there's Aquarius. And um, and so, yeah, rosemary. Also, rosemary is a plant that reminds me of my wife because uh, outside of her home in Italy, there's this big rosemary bush. And just like every time I walked by it, I would nibble it a little bit and thank it. And it's just a plant that gives me a lot of uh, it helps my it, it really aligns my the love in my heart. A lot of these plants that we're going to talk about, too, we just keep playing back and forth across the Zodiac. It's like we're playing catch with Leo tonight um, without actually, like, focusing on Leo. So this is a plant that's really good for the heart. Yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's a plant that's great for the heart. And so when we talk about a lot of these plants in Aquarius, we could, we could be saying that uh, this is a plant of Leo as well, um, if it's nourishing to the Aquarius body, or if it's uh, really, really um, uh, uh, inciting of the Aquarian energies, we might say that that could be pacifying to Leo and vice versa. That's right. Absolutely. And it reminds me of the fact that Leo, you know, has a correspondence with Virgo, the Virgin, the Virgin Mary, you know, and so you can make the case that it's the same goddess that we're dealing with, the Aquarian uh, sky goddess and uh, the Virgin Mary giving birth to the sun, you know, S-O-N-S-U-N. And, and uh, going back yep. up. 
Exactly right. And I love what you said uh, regarding, you know, just having this personal connection with Rosemary. Uh, I feel the same way um, just because it begs you to touch it and smell it and get the fragrance on your fingers and smell the oils and everything else. You know, it is just like one of the best, simplest pleasures there is to go on a walk and come across a rosemary plant and have that relationship with it. So uh, to me, I almost have like this tactile memory sort of thing with it because that's just kind of like my go-to. I can't pass it up. You know, I have to see what it smells like. Um, and then just because it's on this slide, I just want to ask Kyle, uh, have you worked with dew in, in anything that you've created over the years or have you studied it much? Uh, not in, uh, not written on the bottle, but every once in a while I'll collect something like that or I'll wash my face with it on a day like um, what, you know, like, Beltane or something like that, or try to find something of the dew um, in the, in the plant, and you know, uh, drink it, wash my face with it. That's about it, though. Um, or just bring that essence into my you know personal space as opposed to like um, cr- creating something, a formula with it. But yeah, sure. Like, no, that makes sense. You're right actually on. a wizard. That's like something a wizard would do. They'd go find the dew. <laughs> On That's why I asked. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I wonder if Rosemary was ever called Rhodesmary because Rhode, like R-O-H-D-E, is another word for C. So it'd be like C-C, right? Anyway, mm-hmm. I also wonder, Kyle, if because Rosemary likes to be misted, and, you know, that brings out an entire idea of like maybe Aquarian people or Leo people would are more benefiting from the, <laughs> the like the what do they call it? The heirs of like they literally used to prescribe people, hey, go go to a beachside town for a while and let the sea vapors and the air off the sea. You know, that's like a healing technique. Dude, it's so still I, thing. In, in Italy, like my mother-in-law has a, like she gets a prescription. It's writ, it's handwritten prescription and like the, the medicine pays for it over there or whatever, but you can go to like the, the thing is like, you have to go to this town and sit uh, by this particular area because of the trade winds or because of the energies of the, the bay um, and the, the Italians are really, really good at capturing, uh, the healing springs that come out of the mountains and also the, the healing springs that come from the sea and the mist. And I think it's really, they, they must, they, they must be the original Phoenicians then, huh? I, that was what I honestly wonder. I think it's a legit theory that Dylan's put forward. The Etrusco mm-hmm. Phoenician, you know, ancestors of Italy being the ones that spread all this stuff around. Cause they're in the right spot to have the Zodiac that we have. They are in between the big centers of the East and West. I mean, we even have seen it in Roman Eastern, Western Roman empires, but that's uh, neither here nor there tonight. We'll, we'll get into that again someday soon. I'm sure <laughs> I wanted to ask though, to finish up that question. If Rosemary likes the mist off of the sea, does that mean that Rosemary is particularly effective in the form of like a spritzer or a mister or a a diffuser, those type of techniques for using essential oil of rosemary. There's several uh, studies on Google scholar. This is, it's just an easy one that they constantly repeat over and over and over where they have a group of people and they go into one room and they have another group of people and they go into another room and they have them take a test 
and memory test. And the one, let's say group A has a, they go in with a mist of rosemary or a diffuser of rosemary. And the group B is just regular old uh, blank room uh, with chalkboard and nothing. And they always get outperformed by the rosemary. So rosemary essential oil misted is in fact, like a, a very, very beneficial way form of utilizing the virtues of the plant. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Like, cause I think it's very stimulating. Like it does stimulate the mind. You spray a little bit that in your face and you're just like, I'm refreshed. Yes. Yeah. And it used to, I mean, still is, but it used to really be used along with juniper um, as a smudge to like clear out areas or homes after somebody had been ill for a long time. Uh, not only en- the energies, but, you know, whatever else is swimming around in the in the air. Rosemary is definitely used like that. So, yeah. And there's all sorts of protective properties, too, when it comes to rosemary as a smudge and things. Oh, um, cool. We have some bonus ideas here. Yeah. So yeah, I put this together just to emphasize the uh, Mary connection. And on the left, uh, it's the Virgin Mary, uh, who is sometimes known as Estella Maris, Our Lady, Star of the Sea. And I have to give a shout out to PK for reminding me of the fact that, and this kind of blew my mind because I haven't thought about it in a long time, but it makes perfect sense that sometimes Mary is referred to as um, Our Lady and so here's a representation of her being that the pillar, the pole, pole star being the guiding star, you know, and then on the right hand side, you see that they actually combined both of those things. There's the star above and then she's actually a symbolic pillar as well, which I think is really interesting, uh, given the fact that it's called a compass plant, a polar plant. Nice. And there you got the Argo or the arc <laughs> behind her. That's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in my uh, Perseus work, uh, Capricorn is where he finds, he tracks Medusa down. And then he gives her the old decap, he decaps the corn. And, per, and Pegasus is what flies out of her. Um, and that's, uh, so, so as we roll out of Capricorn, we're into the air elements. And so this air element horse with wings that can fly uh, comes out of her. Um, which is interesting because I'm. Uh, if you play with the word rose, you can actually get the word ors, O R S E, which in Greek the H's are silent, so you are allowed a free H on this one, and you can get the horse of Mary, which would be the Pegasus coming out of her head. And I'm curious. Uh, oh, and also, it's more E. It's like really rich in vitamin E, isn't it, Rosemary? Is that's part of its healing? It's got vitamin E. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Nice. So it's got a horse with more E, more vitamin E. And then what is ha- what does hand fasting mean? That term on that last clip. It's a like a Celtic tradition for marriage. So instead, it'd be like you are uh, literally tying a knot. There's a whole like it's a druidic a thing too. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> I just kept talking. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. So like there, I guess I'll wait till he gets back, but did you Sorry. get that slick or did you miss it? Wrong button. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I got my, it's a, okay. 
<laughs> uh, well, it's it's mostly I know it's a Druid tradition, but Celtic tradition of marriage. So instead of like uh, I know sometimes they'll exchange rings, but your hands are literally fasted together like you're tying knots and then your hands are held together, tied together. And then the bride and groom walk off together with hands tied like one so, hand tied, you know, together. Yeah, this is getting hitched. Yes. Yes. This is getting hitched. And, and tying the knot. So it's like that's where it comes from is actually the hand, the tradition of hand fasting. Which you also do, you hitch your mare, <laughs> your horse. Yes. Yes. Wow. This uh, brings Andromeda into mind. And Andromeda is fused into uh, Pegasus. Uh, her head is inside of the horse and she's she's bound. She's uh, she's the uh, the hostage of the Zodiac. So that's really neat that the hand fasting is also intrinsic to Pegasus and Andromeda, which, uh, by the way, is a very large constellation. And it actually bridges bridges over three different constellations to be nerdy and technical about it. But today is Imbolic and it's the day of Brigid. And so we have all of the symbols of the bridge that uh, arcs all the way into the spring. So, yeah, that's big fun. That is big fun. Those are, <laughs> that's good points. I love it. Great stuff, man. Yeah. All right. Flax. Okay, cool. Flax. Flax. You know, flax, flax seed. Um you smash it up and it gets all oily and there's this uh it's like water and oil and it's uh it's very nourishing um it's a really interesting way of using uh you can make it you can make a poultice with the seeds but i'm i'm really interested in the aquarian aspect of flax as an innovative approach to <laughs> making linen and the plant itself. So this is how I kind of stumbled at this. I was looking at the, the names of Saturn, and one of them was uh, Falchifer, which means the bearer of the uh, the the falch, the or, or um, the falchion, and which is a, a Sith, scythe, and also a little dagger. And in Latin, that that implement is called falks and i saw that and i immediately thought of flax and then now i'm on this and i'm looking at it and i'm like wow okay there's the colors of aquarius too um by the way for the gemstone nerds in this group uh <laughs> we had, february is the um amethyst um stone so we have a lot of amethyst colors in the and i think that's appropriate too but just the idea of innovating a plant into a textile or a fabric that has an incredible healing potential as <laughs> not just a fabric itself. You know, you could take the fabric of linen and as I'm learning about this, I have some linen, but I've never tried this, but you could make a compress with seawater. And I got into this, <laughs> this aspect, uh, learning about seawater compresses of linen, curing all kinds of, uh, topical ailments and even claiming to cure uh, lung cancer in a particular person who wrote a book called Paramagnetism. And I'm on this thread of the paramagnetic qualities of, of flax. And, Topher uh, just woke up wherever he's at in the future listening. He's like, well, paramagnet <laughs> paramagnetism. 
when I, got, <laughs> when I got into that, I, I, uh, I, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. I, I found this cool, um, shot and I was like, I'm going to send this to Gabe. And of course it was just like, uh, this is a crazy weave completion. And we ended up going in further and further, all this extra weave that was happening. And it was so fun thinking about the paramagnetism and weaving. I'm going to save that for him, weaving that together with some of our previous shows, but flax linen, uh, just to wrap up my point about flax, the linen is, you know, it's noted in the Bible. Um, and one of the things that I was really looking up in the, the the claims of linen being at a particular Hertz at a thousand Hertz. And they say that the human body is at 60 to 70 Hertz when it's healthy. And that's so flax linen by putting it on, you, be, you, you create a, a, a much higher state of potential. Uh, and um, I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. I've heard that several times, but how do they measure that? You know, like what, where does that come from? So this is where my research was going with that. And basically they hooked the plant up to an oscillator and that was it. So that, that's really interesting that this plant has such a high potential for vibration. And then of course, like it's mentioned in the Bible that like you, uh, you know, in, in the book of uh, Exodus on how to make the, the curtains for the, for the Ark of the, or, you know, the temple and in the book of Revelation that the, that the angels are wearing fine linens and all these things. So linen is a very, very, um, important plant for the uh, for the spirit, for the electrical potential of the body, and for uh, it does have a a really interesting connection with the paramagnetic uh, capabilities of um, receiving. Uh, let's say let, receiving intuition, receiving electric the electric uh, potential of the heavens above. Let me just stop there. Whoa. I love that, man. That's great. Um, a few things come to mind. Uh, one is that in some older, uh, depictions of Aquarius, uh, he is wrapped with a piece of fabric. Um, and that's like symbolic of the ocean. And usually it's a blue piece of fabric and it's like very nice and flowing and everything else. And he has the urn that he's pouring. So there's that. But then the other thing, and this is more of like a personality natal chart sort of thing and feel free and expand on it uh, if I'm mistaken. Uh, but, you know, Aquarians are very unique people, right? Uh, they kind of walk to their own rhythm. They do things differently. Uh, they have a very like unique perspective on things, eccentric type people, you know, um, but they're also very like community oriented. So they're very much about the people, you know, the age of Aquarius, you know, there's this kind of thing where they love having like friends around and they love supporting people. Uh, I think of myself and, you know, one of my most supportive friends is an Aquarius. And so, and she is just like a classic Aquarian type person. So it makes me think of that weave. It makes me think of fabric and of like bringing these things together to create kind of like, you know, this solid piece or whatever that you can use. So there is this uniqueness to Aquarius, but there's also this kind of coming together, holistic kind of thing, kind of like the urn itself. Yeah, it would take a community to make a plant into something like that as well. You know, all of the different skills that are involved. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And to go off of that, it reminds me of like the nourishment that how this can nourish the community. And so I always like to use flax as like a binder 
in baking or you can like make crackers out of it because when it's soaked, which I think you probably, I mean, it's probably best to soak like all of the grains and seeds and stuff that we eat. Um, but I know flax in particular can be used in all sorts of ways as a binder, especially in like vegan baking. And, um, if you're ever making kind of like, if you ever make meatless, um, which I don't really make anymore, but I, I used to make these black bean burgers and the bait you used flax in it to like, and it was a binder and it's just always really good. And I, I would assume then too, that it actually helps to coat the uh, digestive system just because of that, that sliminess, the mucilogenic property that comes from it. Can I feel that question? Yeah. Um, so it's been something I've been meaning to say anyway. So Oh, let's just read it out loud, though, real quick for people that are just listening. Uh, does flax, Braden asked, does flax then have a stronger relationship with the moon? Because the moon is also supposedly paramagnetic. So the, uh, Michelle and I, you know, we we get together and uh, over the phone and we, I say, I'm going to try. I'm going to think about this plant. I'm thinking about that plant. A couple of reasons why. And she does, you know, the same to me. And then, and then that's it. And then we, we get here and we weave. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, if I went to a book, if I went to Culpepper or Gerard, so there's this appeal to authority about, um, you know, the, the plants and their assignment to the, to the constellations. And what I hope that we're conveying here is the, that our ability to critically think about how these plants could be in a you know, a relationship with Aquarius, but also in all these other, I mean, look at it's a five pointed star. We got Venusian qualities here too. And then a lot of these plants, we're going to find places in many parts of the Zodiac or in many parts of our um, sky, all the different qualities that they might have, they might come out, but really, um, so, you know, you might say that flax is a plant of the moon and therefore it's a, you know, more strongly placed in cancer. And I think that would be really cool because I think that we can all arrive at uh, all these different ways. And I'm not saying that this is like the gospel of, you know, herbal zodiac wisdom, just like Nora's Culpepper. I just hope that we can see that there, there's like critical thought and that it's fun and it's and we can play around and so, show the different ways that we find the archetypes in the, in the plants as well. Um, but yeah, I think I could, I could see the moon, lunar aspects to it. Sure. Yeah. Here, here. Thank you for bring, for fielding that. Cause I had that thought too. Cause as we've talked about, some of these plants aren't totally uh, you know, the correspondence isn't that in a book, but I think as you, we see this whole presentation, you'll be able to see all the connections to uh, why we chose these as well for Aquarius. Nice. I think it's cool that you could also look at the relationship the plant has with people beyond medicinally, like the fact that, as you said, it takes a community to turn to make a field of flax and then turn that into bolts of cloth and then those bolts of cloth into the various fabrics and, uh, you know, clothing and everything that comes from there. There's a that is a very Aquarian idea that there requires to derive the full potential of this plant, it requires sort of a community effort. Big time. Uh, so uh, to kind of help me out here, Kyle, on the yeah. the, we, the well, side weave that we had, but I would say, I would say that uh, I noticed in myself <laughs> with my strong Aquarian tendencies, 
that I and also my constitution that I am very, very, very prone to the um, the problems of Aquarius, such as varicose veins, but also electromagnetic st- uh, sensitivity and being electrocuted. Like I get shocked all the time, like <laughs> static electricity. And I, I, sometimes I get really scared to like plug something in the wall. Like, Oh, is this going to be the big one? Like it's, it's like, it's ridiculous, but I have this like Aquarian aspect where I feel like there's this tension between me and electricity. And I love how the linen can, uh, can, um, uh, stop that. And so we were talking about the electrical potential of uh, the, 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 what we were talking about was um, paramagnetism and what you uh, decoded was uh, Mrs. Pomegranate and the palm on the granite, the, uh, the male's palm on the granite of the, of the devil card. And uh, you were going on about Nikola Tesla and um do you want to, do you want to take a minute to talk about that? It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, we it was it was a really fun side weave. So uh so in my uh tarot's on the zodiac alignments, I actually also bring the tower card into Aquarius. And it has served me well many times to do that. Um in uh, one of the reasons is because it's getting struck by lightning. It has the lightning bolt striking the tower from above. And those priests often are depicted falling out of the tower and they have long capes. So they have long, their their garb is billowing in the wind as they fall out of the tower. And that's really profound that that corresponds with the static electricity. And even the, you know, the the shape of Aquarius is... Sometimes it's two wavy lines, which gives it a watery look. But I like the jagged lines because it gives it the electrical look. And in my Marvel Avengers, it's the uh, Black Panther. And when the Black Panther makes a scratch, it makes jagged scratch lines, which are the sign of Aquarius. It's a signature that he leaves behind. But this, I don't want to confuse anybody because what, what we were weaving on actually takes us just back to last month a little bit with Capricorn as well, where we have a high priestess. She's dressed in blue garb. Her garments are the, uh, you know, she's the Hierophantess in French is another name for her. So she's the female Hierophant. And then underneath her, I put the devil card where we have the female is often has fruit on her tail in the the male is like getting his ass lit on fire by the devil, <laughs> but his hand is sometimes on the stone that the, uh, he has his palm on the granite of the altar that the devil is mounted upon. And now this, so we are, we're going back to Capricorn a little bit for these symbols and bringing them together because the image that you showed me was a high priest uh, wearing the garb of the ephod, which is the blue color of the, those flowers, the flax flowers, had the blue garb again. And he had one hand on the stone upon which the menorah was resting. In his other hand, he looked like he was about to do an experiment. And he like was keeping his head away from his magic wand, and he was igniting an incense burner that uh, a couple of other fellows were holding up and they were also being very uh, cautious. And then the smoke off the incense burner. So it was. So what I was seeing 
was an experiment of electricity. And he was grounding himself and letting a current or a charge go through him to spark off this incense. And then the smoke from the incense was billowing out in a particular direction, which made me think that, uh, well, it made me think of um, Nikola Tesla doing an experiment, letting the currency go through his body. But maybe the secret to his trick, and this is where things get weird, uh, Nikola Tesla was a eunuch. He was clipped. And so he didn't have his root fully intact. And so maybe the key to that trick is that he didn't, the charge would pass through him because he didn't have his generative root intact. Just a theory. Or maybe that's how he lost it, was from doing from touching electricity and he, he lost his root as a result. But the high priest um, also would be uh, clean, would be a Levite, would be cleansed, would probably be a clipped eunuch. Uh, entrusted with the secret of secrets in the Holy of Holies. And he so, would be wearing linen. He would be wearing linen of the finest linen, which would also be in my, I guess, where we're, where we're positing here is yes. that the electromagnetic or the electropotential protective qualities of linen as well. And mm-hmm. uh, how, how interesting that could be of a, of a, of a field of study. So, uh, yeah. And you brought that to me. Minutes after I finished a documentary on Nikola Tesla putting himself in the middle of a current and in and impressing a huge crowd of uh, potential funders, uh, so that was really neat that you were bringing an image to me just after I had seen the image of Nikola Tesla doing his, uh, you know, his uh, his little eunuch trick. <laughs> That's your everyday, all day experience, though. <laughs> Everything you're looking at it, everyone you're talking to, just things line up. And it's impressive because you probably have open weaves with about 30 people at a time all, all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. Every, yeah. The moon is definitely moving into my Leo right now. Yeah, buddy. Cool. I'm going to check out Skullcap unless somebody else wanted to comment on all that. Uh, I'm still just taking it in. It's a good sync. Skullcap, one of my favorites. So fun. Um, so as you can see, I mean, I one of the weaves that I thought about as we were getting all this stuff together and then even seeing the flax come through, notice the color of these flowers are either blue or purple, a lot of them. And so when when I think of blue, when I think of purple, I do, I think like with the star card, the tranquil, the calming, the cooling. And so a lot of these plants that we're talking about, too, are very calming to the nervous system and they can bring us down in a really gentle way, not like a sleepy way. And that's one of the things with Skullcap is that it's not going to necessarily like put you to sleep, but it can really, really bring bring your um, any kind of anxiety or tension really brings it down. It's really also great for pain as well. Um, but this is a Nervine and it's in the mint family. Um, so really helpful for headaches and migraines. And that's the other thing with a lot of these plants. It, there's a lot of stuff going on with the head and then it's in the name skull cap. And so I always think about when taking skull cap, even when I've taken it, you know, personally, it does, it almost feels like you're putting like this, gentle warm cap on your head it like helps just ah kind of bring you down a little bit slow the mind prepare you for sleep 
And um, as you can see in the photo, too, where the flower eventually falls off from the plant, look at how it creates like a little cup. And if you turned that upside down, uh, it's like a little skull cap. <laughs> it's like a little yarmulke. Yeah, it totally is. And so it's so fun that you we see these patterns in here. Um, and every time, I, well, every time, I've only found it twice in the wild. A lot of times skullcap can be kind of hard to find. It does like areas where it's wet, but not like swampy wet. But like I've found it near a pond in the coastal area of um, Manzanita, Oregon. And then the other place that I found it is um, near Begbie Hot Springs in Mount Hood National forest and it was right along a stream where we were at in Bagby and it likes partial sun so it, it's kind of like spotty areas of sun near the edges of water in the woods um, and it's great for teething babies too um, because of that um, pain relieving quality and you'll find a lot of these same properties in a lot of the mint family plants as well Skullcap Okay, first of all, I love the oh the beautiful look at this flower. I just can't stop looking at it. It's so I know. It is. is it makes me think color. of like a uh, moth or something. Yeah. It does look like a moth, like a little moth. The, the, to me, the color of consciousness is the blues and the violets. And the color of material is like the reds and oranges, right? It's like closer to the base. So we have a consciousness remedy. Some a lot of these remedies, and Michelle and I were talking about this in our uh you know, before we got here, we were talking about, you know what, we are having a hard time pinning down Saturn ruled plants like we were. It was like pretty easy with Capricorn because Capricorn is like hard and cold and earth and Saturn and just things like come together pretty easy bones and stuff. And with Aquarius, it's like, ah, oh, this is this, I wouldn't call this a Saturn plant. Um, I mean, it's got some signs of it. And the same thing with, with like rosemary, too. Um so we're we're kind of touching on some of these other elements of the Aquarian archetype, the air, the 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 nervous system, you know, remedies of the nervous system. Skullcap uh, came into it's a Chinese remedy too, and they use the root in uh, uh, Scutellaria bicolensis for a blood purifying in um, Chinese medicine. And in the Western medical materia, it came into popularity because it was a remedy for rabies. It was a, a remedy for rabies. And back then, in the early days, rabies was called hydrophobia. Huh, that's pretty interesting. So I that made me think about the hydrophobia, your jaw being locked, locked jaw. And also, um, I, I hope maybe we go here, but like, are you going to present an alternate way of understanding rabies besides some kind of germ or virus type of theory, if you yes, will? Of course, of course. The, well, the, the, you know, the, in Matt Wood's book, and I can't, I don't I wish I had the code here, but he was quoting the, the person who used it for thousands and thousands of cases and said, basically like, uh, tongue in cheek, we would say that um, it would it will work unless the virus gets too deep. And basically, what he was saying was that, like you know, it's not an antiviral. It's not a plant. It's not a condition of the virus. It's a condition of the nervous system of um, a pattern of trauma and anger and uh, tension that's being held 
And so that's the type of person that I that I like to think about the skullcap person. The skullcap person is the grin and Barrett person that puts on a, a facade of uh, seriousness when they're actually holding a lot of pain. Oh! And they have these sharp breaths um, like this. So instead of making like a long sigh, like uh, impatient sigh, like a skullcap person, like being impatient and holding a lot of energy up in their jaw, will go um, and and make and ha- and like there's a dopamine release that comes and there's like pain. Our body's giving assisting of the the pain when we have short shortened uh, breaths when we hold our breath. And breathe in like sharp breaths like that. So that's a scold cap type of person. So somebody who's got like a lot of anger issues, somebody who's better for smashing their phone uh, against the the ground because they got some bad news or punching a wall and breaking their hand. They're like, oh, I just needed to get over that. Um, that's the mad dog. Like I just needed to bark and bite and oh, now I'm better. Um, and so that type of pattern that's in, that's in a a person, this is a skullcap person in my mind. It's funny you, at the end, you said mad dog. And I was wondering for a while, is this something you could use for dogs that are a bit excitable or have, you know, you see this with dogs sometimes that they, (laughs) their breathing is shallow and rapid when it doesn't need to be, they're not exerting themselves, but because they get excited, they're like, (laughs) And then that makes them go even a little bit more uh, excited because they they can't calm down because the breathing is that rapid and shallow. Totally. Uh, So skullcap is a mint, but it's a bitter mint and it's not a plant that is really lovely to drink as a tea. It's okay to mix in with other things. It's a nice plant to smoke. You're not going to roll cigarettes for your dog though. It's uh, (laughs) dogs are really (laughs) responsive to, they're really responsive to uh, flower essences. So that would be a cool way to work with this. And uh, if you could ever find a flower make you can make your own flower essence. That's really great, but you can get a flower essence or a homeopathic remedy or just a tincture of skull cap and put a couple of drops, like, you know, one or two drops in their food. It would be a really effective way. So we're sort of addressing the same thing that Rosemary could address, but in a calming way rather than a stimulating way. Precisely. Yep. Mm. So on the dog's panting, uh, I've got a really fun weave to lay down on that. So the letter on the star card was, hey, and I can prove that humans actually speak dog a lot more than we think we do. Uh, When dogs are panting, it is a call or play. uh, When my, my dog, when I take him on a walk, I can get him to behave around other dogs, but I cannot get him to stop excessively panting to get the the attention of the other dog, which is the, that's the exact way we spell laughter. (laughs) We speak dog when we spell out laughter, H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A. And that is the letter on the, uh, on the star card. Isn't that fun? That's a, that's a window into the world of dogs. That's so fun, man. <laughs> nice. Uh, it reminds me that the uh, Tetragrammaton, yod Vavhe, there's two Hays in there. You know, so that's pretty significant of four letters that Hay would be there twice. And, you know, dog spelled backwards is God. 
right? And so there's something to that. And then also, I just wanted to say that I used to have a rug of dogs. Two Hayes is a poker. 10 also. They're 5-5. Five, five. Oh, so nice. that's a 10, a yard, a god, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I used to have a, a rug of dogs playing poker, and they were indeed smoking, Kyle. So just a heads up about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> was it a linen rug? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Holy snap. That's a hell of a scene. Yeah. <laughs> I just also like how this plant grows next to waterways and likes the partial sun thing. It really does remind one of the card of the star card. Totally. And this is actually in the herbal tarot, which a chance I believe you have now, the herbal tarot deck, Michael Tierra's deck. Um this is the skull cap is the star card. It's the herb for the star card. And so, yeah, oh, I find cool. it really fascinating too, that it loves so to grow official. in your streams. It is official. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me grab that deck. Nice. It's a fun one. And yeah, too. I mean, uh, you can make a tincture of this with dried plant, but I find that the fresh pulled plant it right away. Is more. Uh, oh, nice. That was the first one you pulled. Yes. Heck Yeah. I find that fresh skull cap makes um, the most potent tincture. Nice. There she is. Just got to close on. (laughs) (laughs) Linen. Yeah, Yeah, but it's linen, so it's okay. (laughs) It breathes real well. I just have to bring up, too, uh, you know, the star card being daughter of the firmament. There are myths where the firmament, the dome of heaven, the vault of heaven, is a symbolic skull skull cap you know and so it's kind of there's something Hold going on there. yep i love that that's great uh hydrophobia makes me uh just reminds me that we're opposite of the hydra constellation down in aquarius so we're as far away from hydra as we can be which is technically in leo but i have it right on the cusp of cancer so it does have almost the water element to the hydra uh, up there. Yeah, and skullcap being a remedy, the 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 remedy, the hydrophobia, the remedy for hydrophobia being associated with Aquarius bringing the waters back. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Oh, hey, got this in my cup right now. Sweet. Cool. Um, I, I'm on a huge, I'm just like almost every stream I've got cacao before it because of the powerful heart opening effect. It really gives you a great entryway into flow and feeling connected to everybody. Yeah, man. What else you got? It's just cacao. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, cool. organic cacao. Uh, maybe actually some oat milk. That's cool. I got, uh, I got some marshmallow. I, so that's, that's the reason why I chose cacao and this slide for the, for Aquarius too, because it's such a hard plant to pin down the energetic qualities of it. Like where, where are they? Where, where are they not? You know? Um, and it is a, a, a very humanitarian like plant, you know, like, uh, you you give chocolate on occasion and for uh, grief and for celebration and for many many things and almost in a way that like the Aquarian would be like uh, 
um, you know, try, <laughs> trying to find how to feel, you know, Aquarians have this, uh, at least in popular culture, the personality of like, um, not, not knowing emotions, you know, so, so enlivening them through a ceremony and the Aquarius being so, uh, so open to stimulation, that type of ceremony, a, a plant ceremony of plant medicine, like DMT or ayahuasca or something like that will blow the lid off the firmament and something that has a way of bringing the, 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 the body back into, um, this very, very fixed air. It's so fixed. Um, and, and bringing that body back through opening up the, the pathways, um, and letting feeling good in the heart, feeling good through connection. And I love how this picture, and I didn't notice it till after I, I, I picked it here, but the picture, how it reminds me of the uh, temperance card once again, flowing, which way is this thing flowing? Is it, is the cup flowing upwards or is it flowing downwards? And what an interesting, um, innovation that we have to do to make something like that into the chocolate bar that comes from the Swiss Alps or something. Right. Um, and you know, for, you, you take that stuff out and you ferment it. This is a plant that's in the Malvaceae family. I just mentioned that I was drinking marshmallow. And so Malvaceae, a uh, little cousin for, um, for your cacao ceremony over there. So cheers. And I, and then this is the flower. You ever thought about the flower of this before? The thing that has to get pollinated? Whoa, so pretty. Looks like this. It does kind of look like the star in a way. Um, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Not that, not that I, I see the, you know, the plant and then I think about the tarot card or, or it's not that way around for me, but, um, and not that that's a proof that this is a, uh, Aquarian. Um, but I just thought that was a really beautiful thing that, um, uh, we, we all ought to take a look at and acknowledge how, uh, the, the many, uh, things that nature has to unfold to bring us, um, the chocolate from the Swiss Alps. <laughs> yeah. Again, that is a big, a candy bar requires globalism, <laughs> just like a pencil. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of times the communities that produce cacao and make it into chocolate and stuff, there was a documentary we watched where the people that are harvesting this and fermenting it and then turning it into chocolate had never even had chocolate. Like it to them, it's just so commonplace that it's it's here. We use it. They were raised with it. Um, and I think even it was quoted, one of the people that was one of the harvesters was like, we don't understand what the whole hubbub is <laughs> that people, you know, people just Americans and worldwide love chocolate. But these small villages, they actually don't even really consume it or they don't look they at it that it. way. Exactly. Oh, that's it. That's what it was. They, they couldn't so afford the go. chocolate. Yeah. And they, so they never saw what it finally became. So they came and gave them a, a chocolate bar to taste for the very first time. And their mind was blown. They had no idea that's what they were making for people. And I always think of cacao, too. It's like it, it has its own way to stimulate you, too. I, I There's a there's a comfort that comes like, who, who doesn't love a hot chocolate. Right. But then there's a stimulation that comes from cacao that's gentle. It's like gentler than obviously coffee or something like that. But you can still use it in that same 
kind of capacity too, to, to be a stimulant in its own way, which kind of goes along with the Aquarian, the stimulating the mind and the thought and, and what have you. And I have never done or attended a cacao ceremony, but I would love to at some point because I've heard really cool things about it. Have any, have any of you guys uh, attended? Yeah. What was I have experience? done, I've done quite a few cacao ceremonies and I can definitely say there's a, we can't really overstate the power of cacao in its more pure form. What we think of when we think of a hot chocolate or a candy bar, these are not the same thing as the plant medicine in its most potent aspect. It's actually more bitter and earthy in reality. Like, <laughs> yeah, Americans and in, in, uh, Westernized nations, they love chocolate. What they really love is sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's and very it does true go, i mean don't get me wrong it pairs great with sugar chocolate in the candy form is awesome but i was lucky enough to have for a short time a contact who had who had connections in south america i don't know where to a place where they prepared ceremonial grade cacao so the next best thing that I can find right now at my local like organic grocer is just some raw organic cacao. But for a while I was getting this ceremonially prepared cacao that just came in like a big wheel brick solid, kind of like a wheel of cheese. It was hard. And I, I took that stuff kind of seriously. I used it very intentionally and the, uh, the effect can be subtle, but it is a hard opening effect. And whenever you put that into a group setting where a bunch of people are intending to have a heart opening experience and feel the love between everybody in a community setting, in a ceremonial setting, it intensifies. There is like this heart resonance field that is amplified by everybody's heart chakras opening together. And I mean, that's extremely Aquarius, especially to the point of curing one of the things that can come you know, as a, an, an ill to a society or a community, which is where people close their hearts to each other. And they kind of sort of mentalize and compartmentalize each other and don't really feel each other's feelings or how, or express their feelings to each other for tact or, or perceived, you know, <laughs> diplomacy or all the different reasons why we might repress our feelings. So to have the uh, cacao ceremonies, I think more people should look into that. And uh, as a way to, you know, we have tea time. That's great. The cacao ceremony doesn't have to be big and crazy. It's like we honor the plant. We ask for its power to open our hearts and to do that together, which amplifies the experience for each individual. And it's uh, it's really a potent medicine. You could, you know, you, the ability to laugh and to cry is amplified greatly, <laughs> but yes. and also the ability to on another side, which is less evident, maybe the cacao medicine also really helps for you to see where your boundaries are weak in your heart, where you are holding in aggression as well. And although like in a group setting in a ceremony, you're probably not going to feel like a lot of aggression coming out. If you work with cacao personally, I have found that it helps you to feel your own anger, your own sorrow, your own grief, and things that need to flow and move out as well. But in particular, that aggression aspect of the heart is really important to be able to know when to say no, right? So there's a, 
you can't really you can't really underestimate. It's no surprise to me that the name of cacao, I didn't know this, is Theobroma cacao. That's basically Theo Brahma, God Brahma, the you know, the heart of all, the core of the creative intelligence of the cosmos. I love that name. Yeah, man. Let me pick this up. Let me pick this up and knock it out of the park. This is nuts, y'all. This is nuts. <laughs> this is so wild. Okay. So you're a new initiate to the Knights Templar. You've lived a flat, dull life. You've never had a cacao ceremony. And there, you're about to imbibe on a drink that's going to enhance your emotional response to the initiation. Okay? Theobroma is a anagram. Can you make me big? If you take the row... If you take the row and you turn it into the P that we were talking about earlier, this is an anagram from Theobroma. Look at the shape of that flower, Chance. Uh, Baphomet for the kids just listening. <laughs> wow. So Intense. you're an initiate and they're going to put you on an emotional edge of your seat. And so whatever's about to hit you is going to just blow you away because you've never had cacao. This is the sacred drink. And there's many other things more than cacao in that drink. Okay. Now, this is going to, now I'm going to put a dark spin on things. The old slick dissident dark spin stare into the shadow and it stares back at you. Recently, I've learned that in communion, the book, we're talking about a sacred drink and you're initiating yourself with this communion. In the book, Communion, the oh, alien. Whitley Streber. You got it. The aliens told him, do not eat the chocolate. Don't eat the chocolate. And he did it anyways. He defied them and he ate the chocolate. And because of that, he was more susceptible to their, uh, to their, the, their power over him. He was unable to say no because he defied that rule. And now chocolate is an anagram for locate you. Locate, C-H-O, locate you. And this was wild because it came up just last night, <laughs> always right in time. It just came up on Exertus last night that um, in the Oompa Loompas, or excuse me, no, in uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, the Oompa Loompas were dressed up like characters from communion. The children were getting sucked up into a UFO-shaped tube. They were getting abducted because they partook of the forbidden fruit. So there's a really wild weave around the symbolism of these scary monster looking creatures uh, throughout time and space and history, uh, the Baphomet and alien abductions. So that's really fun since we're in the dark of winter. So well, the Baphomet is also like symbolic of wisdom when you take away all the satanic or demonic associations people put on it. You know, if you're looking at it just purely as a symbol and mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, what is more, there is no greater source of wisdom than the heart, right? To be heart centered is referring to being balanced between your mind and your gut. It's, uh, you know, if you're heart centered, you're also probably left, right balanced as well in a good way. So that's where wisdom really comes from is that synthesis of the above, the below, the ma masculine and the feminine in front and behind. Uh, yeah. Way to call Way to your keep shot. it positive. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you guys will move past uh, the old cacao. Gabriel just totally. <laughs> yeah. If you need, a, if you need an excuse to eat chocolate, then listen to Chance's little discourse. And if you want to uh, close the cabinet and put it away, then listen to Gabriel's. <laughs> yeah, since I since I did those cacao ceremonies in my past, I really have uh, a taste for the like ninety five, ninety eight percent chocolate bars, where they're just barely. It's almost pure cacao. And, I'm with uh, you, dude. I'm totally with you on that one. Yeah, it's, it's so earthy, so grounding. Um, and it is a more gentle stimulation than coffee, but will give you uh, some pickup as well. Uh, I believe it might be like a vasodilator. Is that true, yes. Kyle? That's right. Yep, exactly. That's that's the reason why I feel more warmed peripheral, peripheral stimulation and core stimulation. So uh, there's another excuse. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, real quick. Uh, next time yeah. you look at Baphomet, unless you've uh, already noticed it, you know, in his lap, he either has an erect penis that's shooting straight up, or uh-huh. there's a pole. And the pole sometimes has the Kundalini serpents wrapping around it. And then also, many times, there's an arc over that pole. So I can't see oh, yeah. that and not think of the world axis or cosmic axis and the firmament. You know, so yeah. I think that that's kind of like an esoteric hidden sort of thing. There's polar symbolism in the lap of Baphomet. Totally. Or even maybe this almond shell that the cacao is encapsulated in, like like a firmament of sorts. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is really fun. Um, I did not know that there was. Well, no, I guess I did. The Swiss are really into chocolate, aren't they? They it's are. Like a, it's a forte of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. They're like golden chocolate. Yes. Well, that does. That makes sense because they got uh, there's banking there. The temp, Knights Templars were bankers. You know, it's got all the fingerprints and hallmarks here. Yeah. And time, Saturn, wristwatch. Now, is this uh, is this um, flower specifically a Swiss cacao flower? No, Could- cacao grows in the jungle. It's just for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a South uh, American plant. As they a have product a, uh, marketed in Switzerland or something. That's like that. it. They have a monopoly on the well, on the trade in their area. Welcome to Switzerland, where the people are as uh, friendly as the to- chocolate is tasty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you brought up that almond shape. The almond, the Phoenician word for it is luz or lose, which is pretty much like lux, that light or that gold. Uh, the, the name of Lusitania actually comes from the Phoenician, uh, trade of almonds from that region, which I find it, I bring that up just because what you said about the, uh, the Swiss and the Templars and the chocolate, uh, for all we know, for all we know, there was trade going and grabbing stuff like that. I mean, there's actually quite a bit of evidence that there was. That before the new world was ever so-called discovered, South America was already being utilized as a resource. And uh, what I really like about Dylan's book, The Holy Sailors, because he demonstrates how in Britain, the uh, the empires of the world would like fight over control of of the British Isles, but also keep it secret when they could that they even existed. And so, you know, if we have a precedent of keeping a resource rich other land 
secret. We definitely could see that happening in the Americas for long periods of time. Yeah. Plants, and- plants are evidence of that too. I mean, there's uh, the peppers come from Mexico and they were, they were, um, you know, brought to the, the old world from Mexico. Um, but it's, there's a lot of evidence that shows that they were brought to the, well, let's just say the, the European area long, long before they were claimed to um, with the genetic typing and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, not just with the language, but with also with the evidence of the found in the plants and the cultivation of the plants too. Yeah, man. And uh, certain cultures used cacao as, as money, as currency. I believe it's the Aztecs. Uh, and they, even to the extent that some people would uh, drill every bean and extract its essence and then fill it with like, so that they could get the medicine from it and then fill it with sand or dirt so that they could make counterfeit cacao uh, money, which is just cacao interesting. This turfit. Is cacao turfit. Cacao turfit. Cacao <laughs> turfit. I love that. I love that. Uh, and then one more thing. Um, we Last time we talked about nightshades is an anagram for Hades things, the things of Hades. And so I think a lot of the signature that we're seeing here of like vilifying and making all of the uh, American uh, uh, agricultural goods evil or scary or diabolical is just another way of capturing and regulating their monopoly on those trade routes. Dude, that's brilliant. I love that thread. All right, we're going to go. We're going to keep moving. <laughs> we have a few more to get through. Yay. Cacao, though, I mean, you could do a show on cacao, the history of chocolate, cacao, what it, you know, its uses. That is a huge, huge thread. Michelle and I, we could do three hours on Yarrow, too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Promise we won't. Oh my goodness! About, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll give you ten minutes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, take your time. Take your time. No, I was super excited for this one, and and this was one that Kyle and I were like, you know what? Let's just do it because we weren't sure if it was really an Aquarian herb or whatever. But uh, the Achillea millifolium was what I thought would be a really great weave because the Achilles tendon and the ankles of Aquarius and that was what kind of pinned my mind and I'm like you know what we should do yarrow and then we both were like yeah let's go for it because we yarrow is awesome and it's great and it's uh, it is one of the the first plants that I really uh, fell in love with and I can say that the same thing for Mario as well um, and I just I just find it so beautiful and it's so useful for so many things Um and one of the things I love about it is that it's an herb of a, of a, the warrior Achilles and Chiron. And it's said that Chiron was actually the one who taught Achilles that it is, can be used for wounds. And so it was known as soldier's wound wart because you could use it on the battlefield if somebody got shot or hurt because it staunches bleeding really quickly. 
And it's usually the leaf powder that can be used as that. Like you take the leaf and you can dry it and then you can powder it and you can actually even pack it into wounds because it can protect wounds as well, can stop the bleeding. And I know Matthew Wood even has a story about how he was one time, it was, he was using some sort of, I think it was a circular saw and he like cut himself really deep, like down to the bone. And Yarrow was one of the first things that he thought to use and like pack the wound and it stopped the bleeding enough, you know, until he could get help with what he needed. Um, But that's one of the greatest qualities of it. And it's also sometimes called nosebleed plant. And I know, Kyle, you have a great photo of yourself with uh, yarrow uh, leaves in your nose, if I'm not mistaken, that I've seen before somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's my signature uh, photo for my classes. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, because isn't it true, too, that some people will say that can it like sometimes not cause a nosebleed, but uh, putting it in the nose just to stop the nosebleed, correct? It just stops bleeding. It stops yeah. bleeding. The signature that you see, like there's ble- cut, uh, cuts to the bone, the white bone. But if you look at the leaf, it has this. Uh, it, this is the leaf by the flower. But if you look at the leaf at the at the base of the plant, it looks really much like a the circulatory system of the body. So um, I'll, I, I think about this plant as working through the capillary channels in order to stop the bleeding, as opposed to just halting the blood through like, um, you know, clotting it. it. It works by diverting all of the flooding into all these auxiliary channels Kind of like on the on the star card where there's all of these little auxiliary channels coming out from the main river um, to show the periphery. And then this is how we could also explain how yarrow not only stops bleeding, but also heals bruises, which is the stagnation of blood because it's moving blood. It's moving that energy back through those uh, auxiliary channels once again. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, that you know, so cool. Isn't you know, it cool? Achilles, just for the mythology of it, he gets the arrow in his heel, which I find to be very interesting symbolism being that he's the hero of that tale being born of a, a God and a, a nymph, I believe, or something along those lines. So I've always had an intention to do more of a putting together, you know, of the symbolism of the bow and arrow, the bow also being a word referring to the booze bow of a tree from which fall a seed, the seed being like Adonis and and his mother Mira, who was turned into a tree, the mythos of the seed being correspondent to the Arga or the Ark, the Ark being a ship that has a bow and a bow firing an arrow and the son of the goddess being the hero or Eros and the word arrow being, you know, arrow, Eros, (laughs) hero, Horus, horse, all these things tie together. So the yarrow is like Yah's arrow, <laughs> you know, what a, the son, son of Yah. The, there's a lot of possible fun ways to, to look at that. I love it. It makes me think of Cupid's arrow uh, for yeah, Cupid Valentine's is Day. Eros. Cupid is literally Eros. Aquarius. Yeah. Oh, correct. yeah, it is. That's coming up. Uh, everybody ready? Yep. <laughs> Indeed. They said that uh, I've read a myth there that um, that Chiron was mixing up a big old vat of his, you know, super potion that made everything invincible. And he grabs Achilles by his ankles and he di- he dips him in. And so where 
he was not uh, intermingling with this potion was the part where Chiron was actually holding him and that was his ankles. That's a pretty cool visualization. That's awesome. Aquarian. Well, and one of the things too, that I think about with Yarrow and a connection to Saturn, um, because it's so protective. So we're talking about, you know, protecting wounds and can be used as like a, even like a cleanser of wounds. Um, But the, the ability it has to protect like psychic protection and even it there's an old myth too that you can actually take yarrow flowers and rub them on your eyelids and it's said to enhance psychic abilities and one of the things i personally love to use yarrow for is taking it before going into like large crowds maybe or if you're going to be doing like a healing session if you're you're perform either you're performing the healing session or um you know vice versa you're going to have a healing just uh yarrow as a, a protective measure in that sense um and then uh yeah the i ching yeah the original way that uh i ching was read was with yarrow stalks and so they would cut the yeah. stalks up and dry them. And then you can throw and cast the I Ching, um, which I think is really, really cool. And then again, like with the rosemary, um, a connection with weddings. And so um, adding it to a wedding bouquet. And again, not to bring up Rachel and Jim again, but I did add yarrow to Rachel's flower crown that I made her, knowing that right. it can symbolize everlasting love and just that strength that yarrow brings. Um, so there's like all these, that, there's just like really nice, beautiful connections there so then also going to cupid's arrow and love and blood and (laughs) all those juicy things that comes with all that (laughs) nice and Um, i have my eaching uh yarrow stocks right here that uh i made from uh our old garden where we had a yarrow plant and so i really wanted to make these and uh i wish i could say i use them more often but you know it is what it is but here they are and i love having them around Nice. I've never done the the lots method, but that's basically the oldest version of any divination. You know, that would be worth studying actually, because I believe the like the uh European cultures had uh types of divination utilizing lots and to see the correspondence to how that maybe is similar to the way the I Ching was cast with Yarrow stocks. I'm I'm very curious. I have not really done that comparative research myself. I'm more of a coins guy for convenience when I do eaching. Gotcha. <laughs> right. There's also uh, the King Win. There's the story of the you know finding it from a turtle's back. So there again, just another story of correspondence of nature, the turtle's back, the the dome, the the cycles of the moon, the sun, everything like that. And that's and right. I love nice. it. So, uh, and we are in uh, winter, which would be diamonds or pentacles or coins. So there's an itching tie-in there. And uh, can you make me big chance? I got another anagram. Where am I? Warrior, big, buddy. Oh, warrior. sweet. The wounded warrior. That's the. That that's fun? another warrior ward. Yeah. Aro warrior. That's that's awesome. So I gotta, why we pay you the big bucks, dude. <laughs> I got I to wrap on Yara super quick because of all the plants in my repertoire, this is the one that I use the most. It's my favorite plant for everything. 
I love it. It's bitter. It's great digestive plan. It's a great plan for breaking fever. It's got a great uh, movement of energy through the body, stopping the blood, moving the blood, uh, regulating um, the the way like I, I hang it above the door in my shop. So it has that protective quality. In order to enter the shop, you have to be able to pass underneath this protective yarrow that I grow specially. And I say to it as it's growing, like one day I'm going to harvest you and you're going to have to protect our shop. And it works. People sometimes come in the door and they, and they look around and they're like, ah, this place ain't for me. Their vibe doesn't fit the location. And I think it has a lot to do with the yarrow above their head and they don't even know it. And a really, um, and I've, and I've, uh, a freaking interesting life, dude. I like, if I get to, if you could just pick someone else's life and, and reincarnate and live that life of someone, you know, you'd be on my list to, to go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun. Every day is really fun. Um, and, uh, it's little known, true for all of you though, I probably want to check it. I'm probably trying out everybody's tomorrow. life here. <laughs> when you put Yarrow into a still, and you serve it with some uh, greater work and alchemical principles and extract the volatile oils from it, it becomes sky blue like that. The, the essential oils and the, and the hydrosol, okay, sky blue. Like, it looks like that. And you wouldn't suspect it from that plant. You can't crush it and see that. You can't see it. You can't find that 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 color anywhere on the plant. It has to go through this. Um, uh, it's from a, a, a compound called az- azurline, which is also in chamomile. And it's really, really cool. It's just it mind blowing because when you put uh, the yarrow into a, a still, you're like, you really don't expect it to come out blue. And that's a very fun way of working with the plant too, is by spraying yourself with the field um, and yarrow Achilles it's a fa- famous plant for the wounded warrior. So not just the uh, the warrior that goes out and gets wounded, but the archetype of where ha- where are your where are your battles, where are you putting your energy in your fight, and where is the wound in that fight? Finding that and Yaro can help with that in a spiritual way. And maybe um, I'll just throw it out there, Michelle. If you ever want to have a, a nice long chat about Yara, we can. Uh, we could talk about Yara for a long time. I love the plant so much. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm catching that. Yeah. I, I caught and received for sure. I would love to. And, you know, I have to say, I wanted to give a shout out to you um, and Serena because the first tincture I ever bought from you guys, not that you would remember or know this, but um, was Yarrow. And I actually still have some and I took it just this last week because I uh, I was just working through some detox stuff. And I was like, I know I have Yarrow still and it's your Yarrow and it's awesome and it's really potent. And so just testament to I, I can I can feel the love in that Yarrow. I can feel that it is one of your power plants. So very cool. And yeah, just wanted to give that little tidbit that you guys have a great yarrow tincture. You have many great tinctures, but that yarrow is really nice. Thanks. And with all the plants that are brought up too, just make sure you're IDing things correctly. So uh, for a while, uh, I would always point out uh, when we're on walks or whatever, hey, look, Yarrow. And she's like, no, that's Queen Anne's Lace. And then going on another walk, uh, hey, look at that Yarrow. No, that's Queen Anne's Lace. And then, you know, so that was like one thing for a long time that I was getting them confused for each other. And so I don't know if there's other kind of clone looking plants out there. Yeah. Uh, You'd be like, oh, look, Queen Anne's Lace. And she'd be like, that's Poison Hemlock. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And the other thing to take note of is that sometimes Yarrow can take on other colors. Like a lot of, even in that other photo, you can kind of see a shade of pink in, in those flowers just very slightly, but sometimes you'll see pink Yarrow. There's sometimes even yellow Yarrow. Um, but I, I find, I know like tansy sometimes can even be mistaken for it a little bit, just depending on if somebody doesn't know. Or when I was even doing image searches, I saw tansy with the Yarrow search and I was like, Oh geez. Yeah. I could see how maybe somebody could see that, but. But um, the pink yarrow being very great if you're using it as an essence for the the heart kind of protective nature of um, that and kind of more on on an emotional level. And then one of the things that came to my mind when you were talking about the blue essential oil that comes is just another signature of blood because, uh, you know, when the blood's inside before it's oxygenated, obviously it's blue. And so that just made me think of think of another nod to the blood and how yarrow is good for it. So guys, our next one up is a lion's mane. And before we play that or get into that, Kyle, since you pre-screened our voice message from James, do you think that should come before or after the lion's mane talk? It actually, it's really interesting. If you put the slide up, um, we'll just let James take it away with the slide up. All right. Awesome. Guest, a little bit of guest teaching from James of family fun guy. He is the uh, resident fun guy guy (laughs) everyone kyle asked me to drop a call in for tonight's vibrant about lion's mane um lion's mane is a delicious edible but it is also a medicinal mushroom Um, some of the properties of lion's mane is that it is cooling and helps with reducing inflammation in the gut. It's traditionally been used for treating gastric disorders and inflammation in the gut. Um, Some studies have shown that it's great for rebalancing the gut, but also, and most notably these days, is its ability to regenerate nerve cells. Um, So it can help to regenerate neurons and it can assist with repairing nerve damage Um, I get a lot of anecdotal evidence from people that I supply with lion's mane that it helps with peripheral neuropathy. That's tingling and numbness in the extremities. Um, Then also it's good for helping with balancing blood sugar. Um, But back to the nervous system, the signatures of this mushroom is that it actually looks like the nervous system. It's pretty reminiscent of it. And I've grown several lion's mane and you can find some images online that if you do a cross section of these lion's mane, they look like a brain. It's a, it's a very interesting mushroom. And it's also been studied to rebuild and repair myelin. The myelin sheath is the insulator of your nervous system. So, um, of your of your neurons and increases the action potential or the ability to conduct a um, an, a nerve impulse, and so <clears throat> I think of this mushroom as something that helps us with connecting deeper with our intuition by repairing roads that we didn't know we had closed, whether that's through trauma that's physical trauma or if it's been something like emotional trauma um there was an interesting experiment that showed that if uh people are uh ostracized that they actually feel physical pain from ostracism and so 
this is something that, it, especially for people that are finding their way and starting to wake up at deeper levels, I find that this mushroom can help with connecting to your ancestors by helping you to reestablish that balance within yourself. And so I, it's my conviction that we are here to repair our familial lineage through the lives that we're living. So through our, uh, through our epigenetic actions, our, our day-to-day things that we're doing to influence our bodies through interacting with our environment. And this is one of the ways that we can interact with our internal environment, uh, let food be thy medicine. So allowing for ourselves to find that intuitive path towards healing uh, another thing that has become popular and brought Lion's Mane more into uh, the mainstream mindset is its use for microdosing along with uh, psilocybe cubensis mushrooms. Um, the psilocybe mushrooms help to establish new neural connections in uh, or open up the potential to in different emotional capacitive regions of your brain. And then the lion's mane just kind of helps it stick. It's like the, the, um, the, the, the glue that solidifies the mold that you just recast for yourself. And so it's, it's something that we 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 use personally in our lives as uh, as an ally. And then, as I said, it's a delicious edible mushroom. You can find these at your uh, from your local mushroom farmer. I always say support your local fu- mushroom farmer. Um, and I make them at familyfungi.net. I make them to order. So if you were wanting to get a grow kit to grow your own and steward your own medicine, then you can get in touch with me through uh, through our website and I can help you out with that. Um, but it, it, it really is one of those things that the more you work with it, the, the, the more reverence that you can give to it and to yourself because, um, enlightenment is a process. It's not a single moment, but there may be a single moment in our lives that turns the lights on and lets us see the path forward. And I, I'm just very grateful to be able to listen to tonight's vibrant and, get some more wisdom. Um, cause I don't know that much about, uh, astrology. I'm still learning myself. So I didn't want to make too many astrological correlations here, but I wanted to kind of draw our attention to uh, familial healing because it starts and stops with us. So, um, much love everyone. Thank you for tuning in and thank you chance for creating this platform. Uh, thank you, Michelle. And thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Mario for being the marvelous decoders of this mystical realm. Um, peace. Wow. That's really good. That Thorough. was awesome. King James. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Mushroom King James. You know, one thing that was staring me in the face while he was talking, the Latin name, Hericium or Hericium Aranaceus. Well, both words have hairy or airy. Back to that eros that I was talking about. Hairy and eros are, in my opinion, quite linked in particular because hairy is a word that means savior in the Sanskrit. Like when they say Hari or Hari Krishna, that is savior Krishna. So Harry, you know, Harry Achilles, <laughs> Hercules. 
Exactly. And Erin, yep. the, the Irish goddess Erin, I believe comes from the same idea. So, and, you know, when we look, we're talking about how the Aquarius could be referring to the sky father, Yah, Jehovah, Inky, all of that, but we're seeing it represented in the tarot with the feminine, the feminine. That's exactly the same as the Yod Hey Vav Hey Tetragrammaton, which can derive Yov or Eve, depending on how you transliterate the letters, because we're talking about two persons of the Trinity, the combined masculine and feminine, the Harry or the whole, which I think in some languages, Harry actually means like complete or whole as well. I have to look that up. I don't have the receipt. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. But there's a hairy mushroom. Look at it. It's hairy. Yeah, it's a mane. <laughs> Right. That's yeah. right. Go ahead, Mario. I was just going to say, just to flesh that out, right? Uh, Hercules uh, fighting the Nemean lion, uh, the first labor, and then uh, Leo corresponding uh, with the. Um, so I think that's all very interesting. And then I don't know if it's been said already, but uh, an alternative name for Aquarius, uh, instead of it being the water bearer, it being known as the light bearer as well, which I think is like super fascinating. But yeah, go for it, Kyle. Um, yeah, it just looks like an angel, a watery angel that came down and plopped itself on a log. It's just beautiful, these mushrooms. Um, I didn't set out to do this, but for whatever reason, a, a lot of people come to find my help for uh, things related to peripheral neuropathy, um, multiple sclerosis, things like that. And I have a lot of success using uh, lion's mane mushroom in combination with some other uh, the therapeutic modalities and stuff like that. But this is a really, really big one for us and, um, our, our people. And I love James's, um, lion's mane mushroom coffee. We drink it. And, um, James is a legend and then, and he grows it. And I just, um, that was awesome. Thank you, James, for calling it. Oh yeah. Thank you, James. And I remember fondly Kyle, the three of us, along with your wives <laughs> hanging out and drinking, James's mushroom coffee at the Bertaria National Festival. Everybody should be there this year. You know, even if you're not a super into watching Owen Benjamin live, come meet people that are going to be like-minded, you know, bring this type of information or vibe like we cultivated our community to the bear community. We could have the unofficial national interverse meetup at the Bertaria Festival. In my opinion, I, I mean, Kyle is probably going to be there. James is probably going to be there. Travel for it. We're going to have a great time. I'll definitely be there. I Do don't they, know. It doesn't. It's not planned yet. So you know, just stand by. Labor, we'll we'll labor labor. I was just going to ask, when does it happen? So only they've only done one so far. It was in September last year. So I would reckon we'll probably see it happening in the fall again. Okay. Right on. Lion's season. So, so, yeah. Nice. So I got a ton of things off of what James laid down. Uh, it's uh, really fascinating because we mentioned Achilles on the, uh, on the last one. Um, so uh, I'm, when we've been talking about that Leo correspondence to Aquarius here, um, and he mentioned uh, regenerating, rebuilding, regrowing, and I want to point at Regulus, the the heart of the lion, or in in my cosmology, it's the butthole of the lion. But that's all good. This is the the rebuilding, the regenerative uh, star. It was the last star to get passed over 
as the God, mutable age Abram turned just over. Casually just says like in my cosmology, it's the butthole. But anyway, it's the butthole. If you're asking me, this is the butt. But uh, but this is the really ass uh, of the king. You're asking that, me as king. That's right. If you're asking me, <laughs> um, so he mentioned also that um, it helps with um, the myelin sheath. And uh, myelin has the lion in the word, my lion in the sheath really hit a chord for me uh, on many, in many ways. Uh, because the Pegasus is, the Pegasus square is the page. It's the tablet. It's the, it's the, it's the big square of the, of the heavens. Uh, it's the tableau, right? And that is a white page. It's a white sheet. And upon it, you place your sword to do your, your handiwork. Okay. But also a page in knighthood, in heraldry, the page is the fellow, once you're all suited up and you have your Cleonian lion arm guard on, you can't move your arms as well. So the page is the one who puts the sword in your hand. The word page means sword bearer. So the page and, holds your sword and the page holds your word. Right, right. And it's your, uh, let me think, the, uh, the shield bearer is the squire. So your squire is the shield bearer. It's the square and the page is, holds your sword and you put them together and you go do battle. Okay. Now, one more thing in the story of Achilles, when he's about to draw his sword, cause he's pissed off at, I believe it's, I want to say Agamemnon, but I'm not a hundred percent. Maybe Hector, he's pissed and he's about to draw his sword and uh, Athena comes down and pulls his hair and his head gets yoinked to the side and she tells him think again she tells him regulate regulate your thoughts have control of your passions and all of these things are beautiful and very poetic and uh they've been laid out very uh very synchronously in our our weave here tonight so i thought i'd drop all that in one because of the sheathing of the sword in the mylon sheath I love yeah. it, man. That's awesome. Oh, go, go ahead, for it, babe. babe. Oh, I was just going to say, I love that you brought that up because a lot of the herbs we're talking about is they're helpful for controlling the emotions to, uh, you know, help regulate them, whether there's too many of them or what have you. Um, so, yeah, great sync. I love that. Right. I just want to add to uh, Regulus being one of the royal stars, you know, um, and then also, too, as you're talking about all this stuff, uh, the square, the squire and then uh, the scribe uh, was another word that kind of came to mind as you were talking about this. But, yeah, good stuff, man. All right, we'll keep plugging along. We've got a couple more to go. All right. Look at. I mean, this I beauty. could I could say Ooh. more on all of that Leo and Lion weave and Achilles weave, but we'll uh, we'll save it. We'll get there someday. <laughs> We're here every week. Beautiful blue vervain. One of my, um, I would say, like more recent allies that have come into my life over the past few years, maybe. Um, I just, I mean, just looking at it, it's just such a plant of beauty. Um, this plant, 
uh, is really, really relaxing. I, I And it's not, again, it, just like the skull cap, not necessarily going to put you to sleep, but really, really great for just a lot of tension, high anxiety. Yep. Sunseed. Rachel knows. Um, helpful. That's anxiety caused by overthinking. Um, I always think of people who are kind of like burning at both ends, never can slow down, always feel like they have to be doing something, have a hard time focusing on one certain task. So they start like 10 tasks and then they find that they maybe only finished two of the 10 and then everything's all over the place and they kind of need to be brought back down a little bit. That's me, but I have figured out how to finish the tasks eventually. That's good. That's the key. And uh, but blue vervain is really great for a person like that. A lot of times people will say uh, like, um, what is it like a type A personality, which I don't know. You know, I, I don't know about all of the personality types, but that's a, a lot of times it's kind of given to that type of personality. One of the cool things about it, too, is it's good for people who maybe set high standards for themselves and then they're not met. And then the anxiety that's caused by that. And then sometimes people that have that tendency will also put that onto someone else. So they have high standards for other people. And when that person might not meet those standards, that will cause them anger or anxiety or tension. And again, kind of like the skull cap and the rosemary blue vervain works really well with the area of the head, specifically the neck and the jaw. So headaches that can kind of start in the neck and move upward and then create really tense, like tension headaches. Blue vervain is lovely for that. And I just think the direction and how it grows and everything kind of shows that as well. Just like there's this height, it's like shooting upward and um, just even the flowers kind of point upward towards the sky. Um, and really highly regarded by the Druids, actually. Uh, this, along with mistletoe, was kind of like, those are like two of their, you know, most used, highly regarded medicines. Speaking of the Druids, in the Druid Plant Oracle tarot deck, there's a poem about Vervain. It's, uh, if it should be placed under a man's head, he shall... Be sleepeth as if he were dead. He shall not dread knee waken till from under his head it be taken. And uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. I've never actually put this under a, a pillow before. Um, this that's is a, a great poem. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> cool. uh, this is a plant that I uh, work with a lot. It's in a lot of my Nervine formulas for anxiety and asthenia. This is the old word for anxiety was asthenia. And that was a word that was um, invented is, um, back when by, I guess, coined back when uh, the uh, first uh, electric wires started being placed in the world. So uh, you ever read that book? Uh, so the, the, the full title escapes me, but it's about rainbow beyond the rainbow something like that. Do you remember that the name of that book? It's a, it's a book about um, just the history of electricity and the uh, relationship to, um, to health. And anyway, um, that to me has a lot to do with uh, Aquarius. And if I were to use a word uh, that would describe a lot of these plant medicines tonight, I would call them diffusive, as in 
there is a lot of tension in this Aquarian archetype that is, uh, this is the, this is the Uranus aspect too, uh, potentially explosive, potentially like, uh, holding a lot of tension and then boom. And, uh, this is very Aquarian too. Um, and so when we hear a lot about these plants that are like relaxing, sometimes the type A or Pitta type of person, Pitta personality person is like, no, pass. I like to keep myself sharp. I don't want to relax. I don't even like sleeping. I got to work, 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 work. Um, and so that's why I like the word diffusive because uh, the signatures of this plan are really interesting. If you look at this plan and look at each one of these stalks as like a, the, a person, the flowers are blooming around the head shoulders or around the shoulders. And this is where the type A person, the blue vervain type person holds a lot of that tension. And if we were to follow this, this plant down, it, comes to a single stock and then goes down and has a very um, erect, busy look to it as if it's spinning a lot of plates. So this is uh, for that type of person, the busy minded person that doesn't like to give up uh, or delegate things because they feel like um, having somebody else do the dishes, for example, would be uh, a mistake because they always do them wrong and just let me do them. And they, they kind of burn themselves out. Type A people or Pitta people are, can be uh, tending to burn themselves out. So blue vervain is a really great plant for that t- type of person, not necessarily because it's going to sedate them, but it's going to help uh, them relax that uh, that explosive tension that they might hold um, with the, you know, needing to do everything. And um, it's a really, really, really bitter plant. And bitter plants bring us back into our body. They bring our um, energy back into our, our senses, our rest and digest aspect as opposed to our consciousness. And um, this is a plant that I love for breaking sweats. It's a, uh, for people who have a, a really, really strong tension um, type A personality, they also might uh, be the type of people who, especially women in menopause, who will be mo- most likely to have like severe uh, um, hot flashes because their body doesn't regulate the tension of ventilation very very well. And so as I don't know, as we're talking about Aquarius and the firmament and stuff like that, I'm just thinking about the, the ventilation, the big window, the big window picture here. Um, and blue vervain is a great plant for that. And um, yeah, I, it's a, it's a plant that we work with a lot. It works really well in combination with skullcap as well. Yeah. Great, great point. I, and lovely points all around. Definitely. And yeah, the bitterness of this is like, you do not want to make this into tea. <laughs> Like, oh, oh. oh it, it's horrible. It's almost like um, it can almost cause nausea. It's so bitter. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So just a little heads up on anyone. If they're like, I'm going to make some tea and get some blue vervain. No, you're better off with a tincture for sure. I'm, or like, you know, brewing a very strong infusion and, and uh, you know, putting into bath water or something. You know, that would be a lovely way to be able to bring blue vervain in um, as well, you yeah. know. Oh, it can also help with uh, milk production for mothers. Uh, I actually just learned that as I was um, as I was researching it. I, I wasn't aware of that before. So, do you know anything about that, Kyle? Have you ever worked with it in that capacity? My, um, I, it's just a plant. This is a plant that's really suitable to my wife in general, and she's okay. Vegan, so I would. Uh, <laughs> she's that per. She's the type A person. She's the blue vervain archetypal person, and and are in my life. So. I just try to sneak it in whenever I can. And here's a funny joke that whenever I see the the botanical name, I'm always like, verbena, estada, verbena, 
Estada means no worries for the rest of your days. <laughs> nice. That's perfect. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I love uh, it. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And to Mr. Marty Leeds, people from Wisconsin can't be trusted. You got two in the room, baby. <laughs> I too am from Wisconsin, so we'll rally. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for that uh, devilish six dollars and sixty six cent super chat, Marty. Yeah. Uh, it was good to see you over the weekend, buddy. Hope to see you again before you leave town. And everybody wish him a happy birthday. He is an Aquarius who turned a thousand yesterday. Awesome! Oh, Marty, if you're nice. happy, birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, happy millennial birthday. Yeah, man, happy Earth strong. If you're ever in Milwaukee, <laughs> look me up, Marty. It'd be nice to hang out. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he definitely should. You know what? He said really nice things about everybody here. You know, when we were talking, <laughs> he likes he likes you guys. And uh, I, I get it because there's a lot to learn here for anybody that's interested in the stars to be able to apply that knowledge to the herbs is very helpful. Yeah, indeed. So uh, type A personalities and. Blue Vervain, uh, uh, and the image of this flower makes me absolutely think of the the source of the word wealthy. The word wealthy comes from those uptight mofos that used to wear the the ruffly around their neck, like you used to see uh, Shakespeare. He's often depicted wearing the uh, the absurd ruffly, and that is a sign that he is wealthy. And that's where that word comes from. And those would be the type of people that you'd probably want to serve this up to the blue veined blue bloods of the wealthy people. Nice. That's a good one. Awesome. That is a really good point because one of the things about the blue blood people, high standards, if you will, you know, if you've ever seen somebody that's spoiled by their high society, they can get a lot of anxiety and discomfort out of being in more normal and not as frilly circumstances. Right. And that's just sad, too bad for them. But, <laughs> you know, in terms of that setting high standards for yourself and goal setting, they can be occasionally uh, cause us stress. Actually, that happened. I mean, for most people, you know, getting caught up on like, I'll be happy when X, when I have done this, and that those goalposts always get pushed back and pushed back whenever we set the bar so high. And I put it simply, you know, one way, a, a great life hack you can do for yourself. I mean, depending on who you are, maybe not every solution is one size fits all. But if you find yourself being stressed over a goal that you've set because you feel like you can't start if you can't complete it, <laughs> you know, this happens a lot. Uh Say you think like, I need to work out two hours a day and then you don't go to the gym because you can't find two hours in the day. Well, the key, this could apply to anything, you know, writing is another great way to apply this. Set the bar so low that just showing up is a, is a win to you because you're not going to just show up at the gym and then turn around and leave or show up to your pen and paper and then quit right away. So in terms of developing and keeping steady on a, uh, a daily practice that could have cumulative benefit 
you really can serve yourself well by feeling the reward of success just from sitting down and doing and starting or just from showing up at the, at the gym or whatever the example would be. And you'll notice that, you know, once you're there, you might do 30, 45, 60 an hour, but don't put the sort of reward on the amount. Just keep the momentum, you know, just keep touching in with whatever it is. Uh, You know, if you're writing, if you can get two pages in one day and that's all you can write, that you're still adding to the tally and you're still keeping your mind on track and in the flow, you know, Aquarius being all about flow. So just set the bar low so that you win just by it, just by doing anything at all. And, you know, that doesn't mean you won't actually achieve a lot, but if you're trying really hard to stay, to say like, I, I will, I got to do all this stuff. You might not even start because you're, you know, you're biting more than you can chew mentally. It has a lot to do with the root chakra in this dynamic as well. That's a great reminder and great advice. And I just wanted to say it's like, so uh, I follow a woman online on YouTube. Her uh, handle is Body Fit by Amy. And I've been doing her workouts for the past, like, I don't know how many years, five, six years now. And her whole thing, she starts out every workout by saying, you showed up today. You showed up today. So you are successful. And I swear that just hearing that at the beginning of the workout, it really does set your mindset. Because how many, I mean, you don't, yeah, there's days that you don't want to work out or, yeah, right, or whatever that challenge is. But that just being her motto, I think it's brilliant. And so there's a little plug for her. If you're looking for a little person online, if you want to work out at home, she's wonderful. And anyway, I just, when you said that, it made me think of that and just how many times that her saying that has helped me to just stay there and do the workout and, you know, know that you're going to feel better after you did it. And just the fact that you're there, you're already winning. Great quote here from Mark Twain. Thank you, Hoff. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable ones and starting on the first one. That is it, man. Yeah. Small parts make up the whole. That is a very Aquarian idea as well. Yeah. And motivation works that way too. You know, it's like not, you're not always motivated to do something. And a lot of times like Mario and I were taught, we'll talk about this a lot, but a lot of times you get motivation from doing the thing. It's like, you, you don't actually don't get motivated until you're actually in the action of it. You're like in the thick of it, you're doing it. And then you find yourself, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And then the motivation comes. So, you know, all of the, you know, we're all just not divinely motivated to do all the things that we do. It's, it's actually the action that, brings the motivation. I love it. Now yeah, we're going to, let's move into our last herb unless anyone else wants to comment on all that. Um, all I have to say is, is this the, no, 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 not on, not on the last thing. We can move on to this next slide here. Um, this is, this must be what logos really is because we have these slides that, you know, prepare some things. I don't know exactly what Michelle's going to put on. We I, we have some ideas with plants. I don't think Gabriel sees these slides. Um, and themes emerge, and we're using our creative power, you know, to assign these plants to these, to these things. And then all of a sudden we're starting to talk about Hercules tonight, and um, and then emerges the – the uh, Clava Hercules, the Club of Hercules. 
um, here at the end. <laughs> it's really cool just how how weaves work. Um, I don't know how they work, actually. I don't claim to know how they work, but how they how they happen. And I think it's really, really fun and really beautiful. Um, prickly. Ass. I think that is Logos, man. It's that, that little bit of extra between that comes from between the lines that wasn't planned, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. Yes. Uh, and it keeps happening all the time. It's so cool with you, with, with this group. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the plants, prickly ash, this, this, uh, image on the left with the leaves, I think they're wet, but you could also see that they're kind of like, uh, ruffled up a little bit. If we had a, uh, if I chose a better photo, the leaves are really leathery. So that's a signature of like dry, hard to break through, um, kind of, um, areas of, uh, that have been, um, lack of circulation. So this is a archetypical plant for stimulating peripheral circulation and, um, doing it through a diffusive action. And it's crazy when you taste the bark of this plant, which is the part that is um, utilized in herbal medicine. It tastes like somebody dared you to put a battery on your tongue. It's, it's crazy. It feels like electric. And then, and, and you're at first it's like, Oh, wow, that's funny. And then after a while, it, uh, you're just like, is my throat going to close up? Oh, and you could feel like the tingling kind of moving downwards, like it, like a pixie dust almost like it's a, and it just sends that diffusive signal out, 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 out to the periphery. And, um, all the way down. So this is a great plant to bring the nerves back online for, uh, and also to work with, um, peripheral neuropathy, uh, cold hands, tingling in the hands, uh, tingling in the toes, uh, working through frostbite protocols and things like that. And, um, I'm including the, some of the signatures here that play, we're going to find, we're going to find, uh, some of these signatures coming back into play when we get to Leo this summer when the nights are nice and long and hot and I don't have a sweater on and I'm not sitting by the fireplace. And uh, some of the plants that are, that I think of in Leo are the Hawthorne, which has signatures of the protective qualities, but more protective of the heart um, as in like protective of the hearth and protective of the space. Um, But this is like a mini version of that. There um, uh, Matthew Wood has a quote that any plant that can cause pain is a signature that will that will uh, cure it, and so here's a plant that can certainly cause all kinds of stings and rips, and um, and that's the the type of uh, plant that I would call upon for like um, not necessarily like uh, pain from an injury, but like writhing writhing pain from uh, nervousness or writhing writhing pain from the lack of circulation that in an area for a long time that has taken the nerves offline. And as such, they're spasmodic or uh, they just don't, they just lack the improper signal firing that electric signal back uh, the current up and down. It's, it's uh, it's the, the spark is not there. It's uh, the gap is closed. And um, so signatures of that being like the leather leatheriness, the dryness of the skin, we see that in people who have uh, a, a lot of atrophy. 
and um, Vata constitutions as well. And this is just a great plant for anybody in the wintertime who wants to work with uh, getting their toes feeling warm in the winter and, um, and uh, also channeling the mites of Hercules and the labors. If you're, if you're you're going back to the previous uh, talk about motivation, um, you know, (laughs) do you think it would help you with like a Herculean barefoot walk in the snow? That's something I like to do this time of year. Wow, dude. Um, definitely. I, 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 I do. I do. Um, add, adding some of this to a little bit of tea, um, some prickly ash, not a lot, just a little will do. And it's really, really effective at keeping the circulation flowing. And um, it, not necessarily like you want, it's also a, a good response of the body to not feel things or to like cut circulation off so that you don't feel things. And it's not that prickly ash necessarily like opens up the blood vessels like cayenne or cow does, but it, what it does is it keeps the nerves online. So while the, um, you know, the snow might, uh, you know, your, your blood vessels might retreat into the inner part of your foot so that you're, your body doesn't lose the heat. Um, it will keep the nerves intact, I guess, is a, is a way of putting it. Yeah. Or if just by meditating with this plant, there you go. <laughs> you don't even have to try and take it for something like that. Great summary. I just want to highlight that signature of a pe- plants that can cause pain, like these big ass prickles right here could also be good for alleviating pain. That's a good thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah, I love that. So, Gabe, show us your anagram for Xanthos Island. <laughs> I'm working on it. I all the, all he's actually, he's, he's like scribbling away feverishly. <laughs> all, all I got, all I got, is the observation that uh, that word, whatever it is, Xanthor. Oh my gosh, what a word! Clava Hercules. It's you were talking about extremities, like your uh, your fingers and your toes, and so and it has the last four letters of the alphabet, uh, V X Y Z. Oh no, it's missing a W. Is there a W? It needs a W. But yeah, it has the extreme letters of the alphabet in it. But that's all I got, man. I can't make any anagrams out of that one. Yeah, well, you know, V and W are pretty much interchangeable, though. That's right in Roman in a lot yeah. of cases. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's at the end of the alphabet. We're talking about winter, you know? Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah, this is a plant I wasn't familiar with. So Same yeah. here. Yeah. It's not it's not a true ash. It's a um it's the it's a citrus member of the citrus family. So it's the northern North American uh it's like a North American citrus. That not is a true weird. ash. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Last but not least, I just wanted to throw in happy in bulk to everyone. And uh, Mm -hmm. we are at the point where, you know, we've made it through the darkest parts of the winter and we're onward towards the light. It's coming. And this is such a lovely uh, illustration of Bridget, in my opinion. She just seeing how she's like throwing the the light and the seeds of light and it's turning into flowers and seeing how she's almost like floating above the ground and she's carrying the light and how the she's moving through the winter and all the snow is melting underneath her feet. I just find it to be really nice. And Bridget is connected with fire. 
and the hearth. Um, and so, and then on the right here, we have a Bridget's cross, sometimes known as a St. Bridget's cross, because when Catholicism came in uh, and Catholic church turned Bridget to St. Bridget. And so uh, this cross being an emblem that uh, you can hang, you hang this above your door and it's said to keep out evil and then protect the home from fire uh, and things like that. And I used to make them, I haven't made one in a couple years actually, um, but uh, I've made them a couple years past and um, it's really therapeutic to do it. And it's just, it's a really nice practice. And typically it's made from reeds. You can make it from willow as well, but it's definitely a, a big tradition uh, in Ireland. And uh, yeah, she also is the goddess of healers and poets and smiths. And she's, uh, she's known as a goddess of inspiration, which I find very weavy too with this time of year, because, you know, the light usually inspires and uh, you're starting to get inspired. At least I am. I mean, my mind is just swirling with thoughts of gardening. <laughs> I'm Now I'm just really, really in garden mode and seeds are starting to come in and I'm starting to make lists of what I want to do and how the garden, you know, how I would love it to look and things like that. So it's a, it's a nice thing. So I just wanted to uh, bring some of that energy to this rant here for everybody. That's beautiful. It's always profitable to go read about when you hear of a Catholic saint, just go look up this story about that saint and you'll be like, Oh, astro theology. (laughs) Turning. What was that? Is that the is that like the Big Dipper turning? That that cross. It looks like I it. I would say so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's what the cross ultimately, in my opinion, you know, um, Polaris kind of being at the uh, crossroads of the directions, you know, or the four corners of the universe or Earth or what have you. So yeah, I definitely I can see that for sure. And I love the way it's woven together in the middle to create those squares and everything. It's a really nice design. I yeah, spy on, the, on this illustration trillium um, flowers, the three pet, the three leaf, three petals. Oh, good call! Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in in Taurus. Oh, I love trillium so much, which is which is very Venusian to me, like Taurus trillium, all this stuff. And then this lady looks like Venus too, a lot. Yeah, well, definitely. I think that there's definitely a Venus archetype going on with Bridget because the St. Bridget's story is that she, her mother couldn't feed her. And so she, (laughs) she nursed on a white cow with red ears. That sounds a lot like uh, we're talking about Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. Interesting. I didn't know that detail. Yeah. Those Catholic saints, man, someone could just do a astro theology of Catholic saints book. That would be a good, I'd read it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, happy uh, book, everybody. Yeah. If there's yeah. any seamstress, if there's any seamstresses out there, um, I'd love a dress. <laughs> like what, what, what Bridget is wearing. Every time I see these uh, illustrations of goddesses, I'm like, that is like what I want my wardrobe to be. <laughs> there's just so much care taken and it's all beautiful and flowing. And so anyway, if you're seeing flax linen. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I would exactly. do my whole wardrobe in linen if it was easy to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think so it was a, a little more than a year ago. Um, uh, David Whitehead and Tazarian had a guest on. I don't know the guest's name, but he had deciphered 
some alignments uh, throughout Europe um, and I think the UK as well that uh, that the key to the cipher was one of those I've I've seen them called a god's eye uh, the one that looks like a four pronged compass and and what was really fascinating is how the offset nature of that compass was part of the key to deciphering this alignment of ruins uh, because they're all in a, uh, in a, in a cosmic alignment. Uh, and if I can dig that up, I'll try to link it in the, uh, in the interverse uh, telegram for folks later. I'll dig it out because it was really fascinating the way that that thing is it's on compasses. Often you'll see compasses with the four prongs, but you'll notice that there's a certain type of shade that is added to the four prongs that gives them that offset nature. And so that symbol, that symbol is actually that, that symbol is much more uh, embedded than a lot of people think about. I bet I would love to uh, see you follow up with that. I'll check that out for sure. And I see Stacy sunshine said that uh, I should talk to her about seamstress stuff. So, okay, I will. <laughs> so before I let you guys go, do you guys have time to field another question from uh, the audience here that we didn't get to? I'd love to. Okay. So Jake from Loco lessons podcast, he has a question on electricity. Are there any of these plants, you know, we're talking about like Aquarius, <laughs> electroquarius as I've called it in the past. Are there any of these plants that can aid in protection from EMF or in some way, you know, help our, us regulate that electricity that's in the air? Um, Rishi mushroom. I and, figured we'd be getting into mushrooms. Lion's, with that. lion's mane mushroom. And the, so that was one thing I didn't mention in the lion's mane uh, segment, but I would uh, uh, work with Rishi mushroom for all things radiation and when I'm talking, and I think when we talk about radiation, a lot of times we think about like, uh, you know, like nuclear fallout and stuff like that. But um, if that's not jiving with you, if you don't actually accept that type of thing um, and, and the radiation more that it is likely existing is electromagnetic uh, radiation, then um, Rishi mushroom has a, a substantial history for mitigating all different types of radiation. And uh, I think that would be part of like a, a protocol. Also, um, uh, kelp. And uh, I don't know why that comes to mind, but it just, I got a hit on that. So I'm, I'm going to say kelp. And uh, um, I also think that, uh, yeah, lion's mane is a, is a big one. And then, and then there's, there's like tons of history of the, of Celts and the Druids planting certain trees and ornaments around their house, uh, ornamentals around their house for diffusing uh, static and lightning from the sky. As if like back in time, there was so much more danger from like lightning strikes and, um, or, or the danger, it was like a cause of illness or witches. And when, in, when Michelle and I were talking about on the solstice, we were talking about holly, um, the tree of the holly, the Hollywood, the magic tree, holly, and, um, how holly is, uh, a long history of, um, grounding out electricity, grounding out, um, whatever 
plasma. <laughs> like maybe we could talk about plasma events from the sky. Who knows what they're talking about when they're, when they say these things and they carry these, they pass these things on. Maybe they've changed into electricity, but they were talking more about like uh, electrostatic plasma events from, you know, changing uh, the, the heart of Regulus moving to the butthole or something. I don't know. Who knows? Right. <laughs> but I think those are all good. And I think that uh, Oak is also one that I would, that I would uh, work with too. And the Oak leaf has a signature that kind of looks like a lightning bolt. And um, the Oak tree is a tree that is um, often struck by lightning and they say, oh, that's because it's the highest tree. And that that's that just doesn't jive with me. I think that there's something else about it that it's actually um, pulling in a, a electro potential because of its connectivity that it has with a lot of the ecosystem around it. And so working with oak, um, whether that's uh, acorn flower or uh, brushing your teeth with, teeth with uh, um, oak bark um tea or something like that you know just just oak comes to mind washing yourself with oak um tanning some hides i don't know it's a really interesting subject um what do you guys think yeah the lightning thing is an interesting subject too of like there's so many plants that are connected with being protective against lightning and actually ash trees are also too known to either People, some people say that they would attract the lightning, but they can also protect from lightning as well. So there might be some sort of connection with electromagnetic stuff there with an ash tree. And um, there's a quote actually that I found in um, uh, a book that I was reading earlier today about this. And um, so uh, it's ash trees are considered unsafe to take shelter under as an ash or sorry, uh, considered unsafe to take shelter under an ash as it was thought to attract lightning. And so they would say, avoid the ash. It courts the flash. But then if you would use it as a charm or bring it into the home, it's protective against lightning. So anyway, just that's my so, little... so awesome, Michelle. I, I actually had a, a thought that came to me when we were talking about the ash and that it it didn't make sense at the time, but it's a it's a thought that I've been uh, incomplete, but it, it's been forming in a, for a while. And that is that the emerald ash borer, which if you look at the if you pull the bark away from the ash and you see the shapes of the emerald ash borer, it looks like it's communicating. There's like all of this different. It looks like a, a language and that kind of uh, phenomenon of the ash trees dying came on uh, with the changes that are occurring in the sun. And the ash tree is highly uh, related to the sun. I think that I would put that into the, our Leo category. And so I had just wondered about the uh, the greater aspects of uh, the sun be changing, blocking out the sun, the patterns that are that you see within the ash tree and the in the extinction of the ash tree, and how that uh, how that related to the sky. And so since you mentioned that, and we're talking about um, you know the heavens above and the movement of energy. I just throw that out there. Um, it's really, that'll be a really fun shamanic technique to, um, to, uh, do some divination based on the, the, the movement of insects inside of logs. But, uh, I, it's something that occurs to me when I see it. So I'm like, ah, what is it saying? <laughs> that brings us really brings us full circle that you brought up the Oak tree because I, mentioned when we began discussing Aquarius, the relation that it has to the sky father and 
the oak <laughs> being struck by lightning. I never realized that, but there you go. Cause it's the sacred tree of Zeus or Jupiter or Odin who hung on the home oak where he discovered the runes or Thor Thor's oak tree was his sacred tree. And uh, there's probably more sky gods and thunder gods to whom it is a sacred tree, you know, respectively. Exactly, dude. It reminds me, right, of uh, Zeus holding the lightning bolts and the fact that Zeus turned himself into an eagle so that he can uh, have his own water bearer with, uh, I believe it's Ganymede. I, whenever I say his name, I always feel Ganymede. like I'm like messing it up. What is it? Ganymede from like Ganges River and Mead, the drink, the Mead. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. So he was the water bearer for Zeus. And so he was his little love boy slave sort of thing. So there's like statues and artwork where it's like a young boy and he's pouring a vessel and there's this big eagle right next to him. So this is just kind of an interesting connection, you know? Nice. Yeah. That makes me think of Akira in some cultures is a, is a bird carrying away a child. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. So, Speaking of like charge and like being careful of what you bring down electrically down upon yourself. O-A-K, you just move the A and it becomes okay. And so there's something of of consent involved with maybe uh, getting, be careful what you wish for kind of thing around the oak. Uh, And the same thing around ash, you know, ash is almost like be careful what you ash for. But I love that they're electrically uh, significant, uh, both spiritually, metaphysically, and uh, in physics, so to say. By the way, uh, there's some tarot cards. I'm pretty sure I have a deck where, uh, Gabe, you were saying that you correspond the tower card with Aquarius. And it's literally just a tree getting hit by a lightning bolt instead of an actual tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I've actually that's that's not out of any book. That's just me intuiting the cards that I put in there. And you've actually swayed me every once in a while to put my tower card over in Libra because of the uh, the Tower of Babel would be the the library and the collection of knowledge. But I'm always like I'm thinking maybe that's where you build the foundation over in Libra. And then once you get over here, the tower is at, at its pinnacle. And it gets knocked back down. So I think, I think the wheel of fortune over there around Libra and Virgo, as you're crossing into the equinox, fall equinox, that's laying the circular foundation of the tower. And then when we come here to Aquarius, the tower is complete. It's time for lightning to strike. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I see where you're going with that for sure. So, guys, I think we're at a good point to wrap us up here. And I look forward to when we meet again and do this for Pisces. That'll be very interesting. Going to get deep, very deep. And, um, you know, please, everybody, if you find yourself interested in this subject matter and think that maybe you want (laughs) to involve herbs in your life a little more, Thoroughly, Tipica New Herbs is a place to check out. Michelle's Healing Home. We have Family Fungi in the chat with us. There's our friends over at Grounded Extracts. There's so many resources to both learn from 
and ask questions, reach out, and of course, support them while receiving support in return by, you know, if you haven't checked out the uh, Typical New Herbs website, their online store is awesome. I can only imagine how good it feels crossing the threshold of guarded by yarrow in in passing into the uh, the sacred space of Kyle and Serena over there. I would love to come visit and check it out sometime. But yeah, we got Kyle at typicanewherbs.com. Linked in the show notes, Mario at SymbolicStudies.com, linked in the show notes, Slick Dissident on YouTube, also in the show notes, and Michelle's Healing Home, where you can also be hip to her uh, weekly podcast she's doing. Great times. So anybody got any closing thoughts before I play this out with a, uh, a funny video clip? Okay, I'm actually going to start with this. Jennifer sent this over to us in the Vibrant Call-In line. It's how different herbs would walk. So it's very short. Here we go. like that <laughs> i did like that yeah yes rosemary was the best at the end there <laughs> oh thank god they they got roots and they can't go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah anything, anything before we we wrap up closing thoughts guys just thank you to you guys again, as we were saying in the beginning. Thank you so much, Chance, and thank you, everybody else. And it's just been so fun to be able to do this. And I feel very grateful that we can all share our weaves together. And we do. We were able to bring this stuff together really gracefully. And it, it's very nice. So I, I look forward to it every month. And I'm so uh, grateful that you prompted us to do this monthly, Chance. It's been really fun. How can I... How could I resist? <laughs> I'm learning so much. Yeah, same here. I feel like we're all, it's just, it's so cool to see us all kind of bring our own flavors to this. And that's one of the beauties of of doing this work too, is just constantly learning and evolving. And that's one of yeah. the things that the herbs always remind me of is there's always so much to learn. So you just keeping open and always listening and um, yeah, allowing it <laughs> to come to you. Uh, I have this vision of myself in like 10 years and, you know, trying to decide what to put in my garden and going back and reviewing these videos and like, this is timeless golden wisdom. So thank you guys. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Praise Bridget. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Happy in bulk, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you all on the next one. Nighty night. Good evening. Y'all see ya. Later.